Uh, he's playing the tragedy card, though. There, you can't, like, push back on that. I mean, you can. You just have to well, I mean, but <laughs> I've been trying to push back on that all year. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's difficult, clearly. <laughs> what I'm saying is you're not doing it effectively enough. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. This is mildly legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet at www.thewheelroute.com. You can send us emails like Evan Shank does to wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. And you can also get the show from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Google Podcast Center, Stitcher, etc., Run Instagram also at Wheel Route Podcast. I do occasionally check the DMs there in, in case anybody wants to provide any long-winded spiels there. Um, I see you, Miles. All right. My name is Logan Whitehouse. I'm on Twitter. Nay, X, whatever it's called these days, at Logwan the Dawn. Um, it's just uh, it's kind of a drizzly weekend here. Drizzly, uh, spritzy, a little bit gray. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, but uh, happy thanks long Thanksgiving weekend here in South Florida. Um, took in a lot of football, took in some some good food, some good drinks, um, and took in some you know not so good football as well. You know there was a healthy dose of that, uh, but yesterday was really just like a, a peak a peak college football day. It was like one of those rare fourteen hour marathon days where it was just it was everything was happening, a lot of stuff was happening. So I was happy to be here. Uh, and I continue to be. So who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where things are getting colder, noticeably colder. Uh, the forecast for the upcoming week has some lows below 20 at night. Uh, so not thrilled about that, but seasons. Am I right? Um, I'm on Twitter.com, at Shank Jordan. Guys, before... We got started here. I got to watch uh, overtime claim Josh Allen as a victim again. It was hilarious. Um, that was a good game. The weather in Philadelphia looks miserable right now. So unfun. Almost put me to sleep. Got got me in that cozy state of mind. But I'm back to record with energy Happy and enthusiasm. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. Cozy, cozy state of mind is uh, like a tenant of this podcast. It's it is high a tenant, up on our list but it can get laws. amplified by yeah. what you observe in other absolutely uh, ecosystems. Yeah, I, I just mean that we're supportive of such yeah. a thing. So, anyways, uh, my name is Jason Kretsch. I am also in chilly Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, I am not going to get chesty about my sound quality this week because at this point. <laughs> Uh, you, listener, have as much control over it as I do. And so I'm excited to well, find out together how I, <laughs> I You know, you make it some slight pushback as the podcast based on recent occurrences, like in the last 10 minutes. But, you know, we'll nope. see. P- nothing, please continue. Nothing can be done. We'll let Jason answer those emails. How about that? Yeah. That's fine. I'm all one, happy. One, I'm one emailer, actually, we do have an emailer indicating that that uh, he's in for 20 bucks to get Jason a new mic. So <laughs> just so yeah, immediately on board. I will put your name on it. Uh, 
anyways, yeah, it's it's cold in Harrisonburg now, but uh, you know, it's just it's a brisk Thanksgiving weekend. Was happy to get in the hoodie and uh, and watch a great a great Saturday of college football. Was very excited to do so. Happy to be back with you guys. Haven't seen you guys in a week. I know. Happy th- right. Happy Thanksgiving. Any uh, any major takeaways from Thanksgiving? Anything we need to report before we get into what we do best, which is technical analysis of college football. Uh, well, I spent it in Richmond with some family. Um, the aforementioned Evan Shank sous vide, sous vide, did the turkey via sous vide. Yeah, uh, yes. and utilized a Home Depot bucket as the. I did see that. I did see that up. Yes. Um, was it good? It was great. Yeah, he finished it on the grill, kind oh, of quartered okay. it up and yeah. basted it and crisped it. But um, did he? Uh, how how did he have it in the bag? Did he did he just vacuum seal it? Uh, I don't know if he all the way vacuum sealed it or just did okay. the like just water, water sealed it. the air yeah. out. But it was tight. Um, and we tight. seem to have experienced no you know plastic leaching effects. From the back, uh, okay, the bucket yet, so fingers Andy. crossed, but we seem to be in the clear there. <laughs> Our BPA levels have, are, have returned back to normal after a few glasses of water, and we're good to go. We're, we're back Just in it, flush it right out. That's cool, yeah. I saw the setup, I was curious about that. That seems like a large, um, you know, turkey is not small, a, a turkey that's going to feed people is not small either, so. I was curious. Nine he... pound bird, I believe. Uh, well, that's. Did he uh, did he spatchcock it for the final part, or you said he took it apart uh, a little bit? He kind of did the cleaved it, quarter, size it off of the main, and then I yeah. think took the main, disassembled that to a degree. <laughs> the main. <laughs> the I main. like that. <laughs> that's tight. Very cool. Well, spatchcock bird. Great idea. Love it. I think it kind of burned my bird. Um, I don't know the recipe I followed was more promising than the result yielded. So uh, I won't do that again, but... Uh, it's a time for be... experimentation. Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately it was it was turkey. It was it was completely edible and, and good, and I finished yeah. the rest of it today, so... Holy, holy moly. Jason, you take down any delicious birds? Um, I did, yeah. Uh, Papa Crack and I did up a bird. Um, uh, pretty pretty standard stuff. Just did it in the oven, nice, quick, and easy. It was a, it was a low key correct Thanksgiving. Uh, did a couple sides. Uh, we were scrambling. We got started late, and so we couldn't make the full gravy and went with the store bought gravy. Uh, d- don't don't do that. Highly highly recommend not doing that. Um, well, I'm not sure when bad. you're used to the full yeah. correct gravy. Yeah. Uh, not not gonna was... go any further there, but. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> Are we, are we not doing phrasing anymore? Are we? Phrase. No, we're we're going to give that to can the we do, listeners. Can we do a pause? Uh, but no more. <laughs> the full crack gravy. Um, that's, a good, that's a good band name, just FYI. If you, you want to start. When you start yeah. playing that weird harpsichord thing that Jordan was talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> FKG is playing at <laughs> Clementine. <laughs> but, excellent. Well, uh, anyways, yeah. the signs were good, too, so let's move on. Yeah, no, that is that is excellent. Um, the the intern made a, a sweet potato pie that was awesome. It was actually probably the best sweet potato pie that I can recall having. Not a big sweet potato pie guy. Not a big. I'm kind of out on pumpkin pie. Also, um, I know surprising that I would have that take, but uh, it's just not great. So, um, 
this was really Has good. Has it gotten too popular? Is that why you're out on it? Or? Um, no, I just feel like, you know, most of the Gord stuff is usually pretty gross, and we would probably, if it was actually good, we would eat more Gord's like throughout the year. So, <laughs> I to be fair, I, I agree with you. I'm not. There are. I, mean, I think I think it's I think it's fine. Like I don't want to say that it is bad necessarily. It's I just would I would never reach for it. Yeah. I prefer a fruit pie. Yeah, I, I think pumpkin pie is tough because of the spices involved. It's so easy to like get those ratios off and it be overly sure. spiced or underly spiced. Um, there's just a wider margin for error. But yeah. I think a good pumpkin pie is great. Yeah, I that's, shouldn't, so that's I shouldn't, where we all stand. Yes. I shouldn't opine on on pie at all. I'm not a big pie guy. I'm just like like chocolate pie is a go-to, but that's just a pile of chocolate and a pie crust. Like I'm not gonna pretend that's art or anything. But yeah, no, the, the, not, that's not big good. on fruit pie, like not big on pumpkin, pecan, any of that stuff. Not my thing. Pecan so. pie I find to be too rich for my me typically. Like it's one bite of pecan pie is usually pretty good, but it's almost too, a little bit too much like eating a piece of candy for my liking. Mm. Yeah. Again, I think that that varies. Like, I mean that's probably true. Like I'm, I am open to having my made mind a, blown. A bourbon pecan chocolate chip pie. See, that sounds it great. It that sounds really light. Oh. Like, like all of those not things. Syrupy at all. Okay. So, hmm. It varies. Admittedly, right. putting bourbon in just about anything will probably help it a little bit. So. That's true. Even the FKG. All right, let's. Uh... <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Probably. Oh, I just speaking of gravy, I did make a like I just melted some butter and, and mixed it with some mojo and used that as sort of like a dipping a gravy slash dipping sauce uh, for the turkey. And that was really good. It was just butter and mojo sauce <laughs> together, world warmed and world. I mean, it was admittedly it was that, that checks out. That seems like it would. I mean, it's it would basically work well, gravy, but... you know, I mean, like, so what, are you what, dipping what... the mojo hammer in the mojo butter? Is that. <laughs> Answer the, the question. The moho hammer was disposed of because we did not have time to make the gravy. Much like Jason, we kind of ran into a situation with the gravy. And I didn't want to be – I've never right. actually made personally myself gravy. Um, I didn't want to be like figuring it out on the fly. And there was like the directions – both sets of directions I saw were a little bit obtuse. Like there was some interpretation on like what you do with the water and the fat skimmings. And like I, I was trying to figure out like what actually got mixed together. I understand the concept. You skim the fat, you thicken, you thicken the liquid with, with flour, you add more fat to it. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I melted some butter and uh, mixed it with mojo sauce and I thickened yeah, that you, liquid you with, uh, with, some, with some fat. <laughs> Bingo. So I kind of figured I was, I was pretty much three quarters of the way there. It really was. And that was what I was thinking about. So, all right, too much of this. We'll keep it moving here. Uh, any delicious beverages tonight? Uh, yeah, I we just wrapped up the college football regular season, mm -hmm. RIP, except I guess Army Navy still play. Is that correct? That's correct. In like two weeks. They, okay. So there's one more left, but by and large, we are done with the regular season. I am drinking to celebrate the occasion an Elijah Craig toasted barrel. Uh, very nice. Difficult to find up in these parts. And you've heard me say that before, but uh, yeah, reminds me a lot of Eagle Rare, which is probably my favorite, one of my favorite bottles out there. So, fan. <clears throat> High praise. Eagle Rare is good. I'm going similar levels of class with a Coors Light. That's right. The silver bullet itself. 
Um, I am working on a, a short pour of, I believe this is just like a, a red, a red Zinfandel. All right. Hmm. Freak we got, show. We got all the spirits covered. I like that. Do we know the vintage? 2020. Hmm. Great year. Great year. Great year. <laughs> Great year. We, we love that year. <laughs> the rains. Vines. The, rains the vines were perfect. There was... there was no cars driving around in Italy, right. actually, that year. So the air pollution the was lower. Yeah, the grapes were much sweeter. You know, yeah. the tannins were more were more bound together. The skins we really think, got to open up. Do we think I can call Coors Light a local pour in Harrisonburg, Virginia? <laughs> was it I actually... think it's got local roots. Just but right outside of unless town. Unless you know where that can. That's fair. Was. It's a 50, 50, 50 shot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it would be that would be a triumph of supply chain logistics if, for some reason, the, the local like this half of the country was getting a bunch of Rocky Mountain Colorado Rocky Coors. Mountain Coors. But. <laughs> that Brian Regan joke about the logs passing each other on the highway. Hey, like, you got logs. Passing the country with Coors Light. <laughs> you guys, you need logs over there because I'm going <laughs> logs. <laughs> wow, I what know. a pull! A I Brian Regan that. joke. Love that. Thank you. Um, okay, let's keep it moving. Um, yeah, we let's got talk some stuff to chat about. Yeah, let's let's talk about some games and then we'll get into some coach stuff. How's that? I don't want right. to. I don't want to pass o- pass pass over pass by the games because it was a fun Saturday. Friday right, was yeah. a little bit of a dud. Saturday was fun. Um, and the egg bowl was meh, but uh, so yeah, let's let's jump right to the rivalry week. Tasty menu. Feel free to jump in. Thanksgiving Eve, I had a very drowsy experience trying to watch uh, the egg bowl. Not not the best egg bowl, but it was weird. So I guess maybe it was on brand. So it it got weird, but I think I said like halfway through the game, or maybe sometime in the third quarter, like they were really pushing the weird narrative. And I don't yeah. think it was super weird yet. I, yeah, and, I think it was just a little bit of a rock fight of a game. Yeah. And like they were trying to, you know, quit trying to make weird happen. You know, it's not right. going to happen. Like weird is when a guy lifts his leg and pretends to pee like a dog <laughs> in the end zone. That's weird. Weird <laughs> is not like, hey, there's been 17 punts in this like game. That's three to three to nothing at halftime or right. whatever. Yeah, that's it was. a normal Saturday for yeah. half of the Midwest. That's right. Exactly. So, uh, anyway, I, this game was uh, pretty thoroughly meh. I was not not yeah. entertained. Almost pulls it out. Um, they get the win. Uh, uh, Greg Knox did enter the game on a four wheeler. The inch that's the interim coach for okay. uh, Mississippi State. It was kind of a. I don't know if any of you guys saw. Maybe someone might have. Jason, you might have sent the video to us, but I don't know where it came from. But the sort of he didn't appear to be super comfortable on the rig like it was not clear that they had really rehearsed this a ton he was doing some herky-jerky like within the group of players like hitting the gas like <laughs> lurching forward and that you know. didn't even end up being the worst on-field entrance of the weekend it's true speaking very of Mississippi true. State there's a weird connection there so that's very true also true but uh yeah and he uh he got asked about it like hey what's going on and just like started like yelling about overcoming adversity and um it was, it was all it was all very strange and you know what like in it was delightful of, though i mean very delightful like i love yeah I love it was that. very college football anytime you can like, find yourself on a four-wheeler ranting about yeah. overcoming adversity as you interim, like as you prepare to be the interim head coach for like the fourth time in your career the greg knox knox is the interim god it, it must he, be said 
G-A-W-D. The G-A-W-D uh, of interim coaches. It also reminded me of the time uh, way back when we were in like middle school or high school that uh, the Duke dog rode a motorcycle out of the tunnel to lead JMU onto the field and ran over a member of the kickoff coverage team, so they had to sub him out for the first play. So I don't remember that, but that's awesome. Good times. Yeah, it totally happened. <laughs> Um, everything Duke Dog related before the Chanticleer incident is blurry to me. It's like the Chanticleer incident Pre- leaves. <laughs> there's this Coastal Carolina fight and post Coastal Carolina. Yes. Yeah, it's a real beast. Two eras of Duke Dog. AD situation. Absolutely. All right. Anyways, this game um, stunk. Uh, Will Rogers is transferring. And should uh, be an attractive option for uh, someone yeah, who so. like wants a, a guy who just looks like a quarterback in a helmet too. Eye yeah. black. He can sling it. Uh, step into some throws. I mean, he's thrown the ball a zillion times in his career. I'm surprised he didn't hit the portal after last year, but maybe. Yeah. I think we need to remember that there are other circumstances involved in hitting the portal other than like playing time, like notably your academic standing at said university sure. and where you maybe want to transfer to. Like that does matter. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling Will Rogers an idiot or, you know, a miscreant or anything, but maybe he wasn't in a position where he could, or maybe he really believed and thought it was going to be the wrong thing to, to do, but he is transferring. So how, how prevalent do we think uh, situations are where a player enters the portal, talks with the school they think they want to go to and finds out like, Oh, my credits aren't going to make it over. And, but these are the classes I should take at my current school next year and I'll hit the portal after I get those courses knocked out. I I heard, and this could be hearsay allegations or even wishful thinking that Grayson McCall had a situation in which he was unable to transfer because of this after last year. Interesting. Because I think he was on the short list. He visited, he visited Florida. He visited Auburn. He visited a handful of schools and I think that was going to happen. And then it was a, it was like a credits issue. But I, so I'm, I'm thinking Jordan, it probably happens. Like, I don't want to say all the time, but I'm guessing it happens like fairly frequently. It happened. It has happened to JMU several times. Hmm. All right. So yeah, it it is definitely in consideration. I'm thinking about it from like, are coaches allowed to scheme with the player and be like, well, if you had courses X, Y, and Z on your transcript Mm -hmm. that you don't currently have, we would be able to take you next year. Uh, it might happen, but that's uh, are allowed to happen. I mean, I'm I'm I mean, sure it might be allowed to happen. I'm not sure. I guess it's, I guess there's no rule against it since you're in the portal. You can talk to whomever um, in the portal. I am now. I declare I am yeah. in the portal. Declare portal. <laughs> um, but I don't. I don't know that that much. Like, if I'm being honest, in today's day and age, you might be overestimating the amount to which coaches plan ahead. Like, they're not. I don't know oh, if they're planning that far away but it's a fair question i don't know i i um have never been in the portal i'm ashamed to admit so yeah um, i don't know exactly what conversations happen there but i do know academics there was uh i mean caleb love transferred out of unc basketball and he was going to transfer to michigan and was like attending michigan and then it didn't work out and classes didn't transfer and then he transferred to arizona so it was things get weird when classes and credits come into play 
because there are academic requirements to staying eligible. Like well, yeah, and, and then you have to, and, and then in some cases, like in that situation, you probably have to go to a school that has a start date that's different or is in a quarter yep. system and not a not a and semester system. Or, if you're taking a grad transfer, it has to be that like yeah. you're taking a major that they don't have at your school, and there there are a lot of rules for it. And what so, a mess! Shout out to the shout compliance out to rules. compliance people. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of compliance, Iowa was at Nebraska. This was disgusting. I was complied. I was under though mesmerized by this game though. It was like there's there's something very hypnotic about watching the Iowa football experience this year. Like they are so committed (laughs) to the bit, Um, and it it works out for them all the time. Like I don't understand how this team gets to go like ten and two. Yeah, unbelievable. How is this allowed by the powers that be? Deacon Hill is huge. Yeah, he is. I I watched maybe the fourth quarter of this game. I was playing golf on uh, Black Friday, not to brag, not to brag. but um, <laughs> I like I look at Iowa's success and it it's infuriating because it's like bad behavior being reinforced with good results. And you're just like, why, guys? Like you you're capable of so much more. You have better football brains in that building than what we see put out on the field. But at the same time, I respect the heck out of just being like, this gives us the best chance to win, and we are going to do it. Mm-hmm. Optics be darned. Their defense is awesome. Like, their defense is really good. It's schemed up really well. It takes away, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think Nebraska, I think Nebraska was totally willing to be involved in a game such as this as well, which is like, that's the other thing is like, you kind of need to have like two compliant entities uh, to kind of pull this off. And and for whatever reason, the Big Ten West has like all of them. Um, so they, you know, they, they get to, I guess, do that. You know, the only the only team missing this year is like Mississippi State. They would have they have the spirit of the Big Ten West team that would, you know, lose in a rock a thirteen to eleven rock fight to uh to Iowa. But Iowa pulls it off. Um if you have any more Iowa Nebraska takes, you you need to get off. No, I, I think, think so. the less said about it the better. <laughs> uh cool. All right. Let's uh let's move to what do they call this? Good old fashioned hate or old fashioned hate or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Georgia at Georgia Tech, the feisty Yellow Jackets hung around in this one. Um, made it kind of interesting actually. Like didn't it wasn't like a fake close game. It was an actual close game. Georgia had to salt it away. They were able to do so. Um, but you know, shout well, out to Georgia Tech. They, they kind of salted away in the third quarter, and Georgia Tech came all the way back. Right. I'll give them credit. Made it a one position yeah, I like no disrespect to either of these teams, but for whatever reason, this particular game does not move the needle for me at all. Like, not a thing. It has for me. never moved the needle for me, yeah. even when the triple option was involved. Still does not move the needle for me. Um but yeah, good good for Georgia Tech putting forward a strong foot, I guess. I did see Haynes mm. King uh pull and run for a touchdown and get pretty excited in the fourth quarter so good for that young man yeah Uh, georgia tech had some interesting little scheme stuff going with their run game their run game seemed really well designed and they uh um i mean they they were able to kind of like move it on georgia pretty good that was the only like takeaway from the game i really had i'm kind of with you jordan this one is a little bit georgia has won it's kind of 19 of the last 22 uh, in the series so it's not uh it's not that great. I think the most interesting thing about it that I saw at least was the post-game handshake, which uh, Kirby 
went oh yeah went to midfield to like well there was like some there was like some scuffling going on right yeah allegedly but like oh i think okay i think directly past uh georgia tech coach key brent key yeah whatever his name is um like walk directly past him so he could chastise one of his players and give him the you know to the locker room to the locker room yeah and key (laughs) was just standing there like i cannot believe i have to like, like wait on this watching guy this. and endure this <laughs> yeah and then kirby turned around and like went to shake and key just like shook it and got out of there yeah no, no change on the facial expression <laughs> was... and then kirby after the game was just kind of usually he's kind of like preaching they they were talking to him after the game i managed to catch he's got like a strange shaped face have you ever like seen this man up close? It's very, very square, very square yeah, face. I don't think the visor does him like a ton of favors either. But um, yeah. he looks, anyhow. he looks a little like a low res video game avatar. Like, yes, kind of yeah, Lego head. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got Definitely. a little bit of a Lego head. But I think like we went to school with like fifty of these people. Logan. <laughs> That's it's true. Rockingham County, shouts out. <laughs> like the Bama Bangs liked wearing a visor, you know, short and stocky. I mean, this this is feeling a little bit like a call out, but you know, We've that's okay. Plenty of them. Yeah, <laughs> no, you you don't yeah. have is this right. is this personal? I don't. Um. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Short, short khaki shorts. Uh, the gray New Balances, disgusting socks. Yeah, we've yeah, been there. Frat event, fr- frat yeah. event shirt or lax penny if it's a Friday. Yeah, we can we can keep going. So, um. Okay, the Apple Cup. This game happened. Uh, it was sick. It was it was it was sook it was sook it was sick <laughs> it was weird um it's just like I Washington is perplexing to me because I thought they were so awesome and then like ever since we they were really we were all feeling, saw it they, they we were, were feeling awesome. so good about our Michael Penix Heisman situation I haven't looked into really it I think off. Phoenix is still hurt he has to be you would it think. might be and like he's, also he's just, they look very different just like. Mm. That, yeah. That's not the week three Michael Penix Jr. I remember. Yeah. But anyhow, kind of a like back and forth, hard fought game. Uh, it seemed like Washington was like kind of just like keep trying to keep Washington State at bay like the whole time, but it was always like way too close for comfort slash tied ish. Um, I was like mostly tracking this one and then and then checked in for like the very end. But uh, yeah. Looked like a looked like a rivalry game. That's for sure. Kind of weird vibes and and close. Yeah. So Washington uh, had had the ball driving to we need a field goal to win the game under two minutes. They get into a fourth and one situation, out of field goal range. Uh, they initially send the punt team out there. They have the up man run under center, try to draw an offsides. That doesn't work. Uh, I think they called timeout for Washington State. There was a timeout called. They run the offense back out on the field, and they go fake, you know, fake run out of the gun. Penix gives the end around to the star wide receiver who takes it, you know, well within field goal range. That was a sick play. Uh, They asked DeBoer about it after the game, and he's like, well, yeah, we have a lot of options off of that, and uh, luckily Michael made the right he chose the right one, so like, <laughs> right. that could have gone. That could have gone really wrong. Um, once they got into field goal range comfortably, they still inexplicably start throwing the ball to the end zone. Yeah, to that was that I was thought, weird. 
I thought the score bug was like wrong. I was like, is Washington down and Fox is just not updating <laughs> the score bug? Like this game is tied, right? They just need to take a knee, call timeout with four seconds left and be done with it. Um, I think Penix took a sack on one of these pass attempts. I think that's to, right. Like, put them on the very fringe of field goal range. And well, and their field goal kicker, they, they, they were, the announcers were kind of trying to sell it as they didn't trust their field goal kicker, so they're trying to score a touchdown. But like the method in which they were trying to like advance the ball closer to either make the field goal easier or score the touchdown did not make any sense at all. Oh, it was like, so dangerous. Like just like throwing jump ball, like one of them should have been picked off. Like yep. that, like it very much should have been like throwing weird jump balls. And yeah, and like you said, like that sack, like it, it seemed like maybe he was they were like trying to center it a little bit, but then also like I don't know. I think they, they were shot. trying to they were trying to run a play. Like it was it wasn't it was clean, whatever it was. Yeah, and like to be fair, that field goal kicker has had his issues. He missed a, yeah. a shorter one. He had missed like three of his game. last four or something, right? Candidies so. weren't great, but to his credit, he nailed it and earned a scholarship off of that. Game. He did, which is yeah, was was always heartwarming. Love to see yep. that. Uh, all right, yeah. So, so Washington remains undefeated. Like I think at this point. Uh, here, here. Do you guys prefer Florida State or Washington at this point? If both teams are uh, undefeated, Washington just because they have yeah. a better quarterback. Like, I think they have a better chance of beating whoever is on the other side of yeah. the field. And I, I do think Washington's resume is still a little underrated, including by myself and us. Like that to to go through that stretch undefeated is is no small feat. I think it. They have a more impressive resume than Florida State just stacked up like that. I agree, but this is where the, like, and if you watch the college football playoff show rankings, you know, show that ESPN does, like, they love to get in a tizzy about, is it the eye test? Is it the resume? Blah, blah. Right, right. Washington is an interesting case where they have, like, they have an awesome resume. Yeah. But when you watch how they accrued that resume and those accomplishments, you're like, Dude, they are begging to get yeah. beat by I mean, they they are very much what TCU did last year. Like yeah. to like yeah. almost exactly the For same sure. thing as TCU. Like good quarterback play, good good wide receiver, like weird low scoring game in like a must win game that they needed to get. Like kind of probably lucked out getting the Oregon game at home, um, but like made the most of all those things. But like they're ten point underdogs against Oregon next week. I was, I was going to ask if you guys had already looked. Yeah. But, yeah. So, I so mean, it opened at nine. I don't think it's moved that much. Okay. I, still I think I saw, I, th I thought I saw nine and a half. So, um, ESPN yeah. is nine and a half right now, but that's, it's, it's that's, in that area. And that kind of seems fair. Like, I mean, it's, I test wise, that seems really fair, but yeah, I mean, for they sure, also, like, looks better. It seemed yeah. like they're like in every game, though. And, and I, I have like, already bet Oregon to cover that. <laughs> maybe it's the Tony <laughs> Bennett, maybe it's the Tony Bennett basketball, you know, corollary. So, just, just hanging around. Just I don't know, man. Just hanging around. So uh, okay. We can say I think I think the 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 wheel route Michael Penix Jr. Heisman wager is probably out of luck at this point. Yeah, um, unless like a, unless he plays journey. linebacker next week and injures Bo Nix and you know throws for yeah. 500 yards. Just yeah, he, he needs he needs Bo and Jaden to both have just horrific. I guess Jaden's done, isn't he? So Jaden's done. Yeah. At least before the Heisman game. Jaden yeah, definitely fine. participated. Jaden 
probably should get it. If if we if indeed we are giving to most outstanding player, he has like far and away better stats than Joe Burrow had. Like Joe Burrow's insane yeah. year. He, now I was he, gonna he, say he does things. If they had lost that game Saturday to Texas A&M, and, yeah, and I had to watch a five-loss quarterback. <laughs> Win the Heisman over Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr. I would have had problems with that. Four loss quarterback. Oh, okay. Are they, <laughs> no. are they nine and three? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. One of the they lost to Ole Miss, right? In that weird shootout. They lost to Alabama. Ole Miss, Alabama and they lost to Florida State. FSU. Yeah. Which that Florida State game seems like so long ago. Like this is the it's the same thing yeah. that happened last year again with both these teams. Like you're kind of like, huh, man, Florida State, you know, like what are you gonna How say? But well, Florida State's really good this year. So, uh, all right, the Iron Bowl, man, guys, oh. an all timer, Gary Danielson. Dream. I I want somebody to lo- I want to love something in my life as much as Gary Danielson loves Alabama. You know, Alabama football. He, he, I mean, this game started weird. Like one of the wor- like there was a just insane missed face mask on like one of the, the early kickoffs in the game, and and then they threw a block in the back penalty on Auburn on the same play. So Auburn had to start the drive at like the ten yard line after their guy like very openly like, had his like face ripped off um, early. The it, amount of stupefied expressions we got out of Hugh Freeze. On, on these sideline shots. Yeah, so good. Incredible. There's one thing on Twitter that gets me every time, and it's any deployment of the Hugh Freeze in the hospital bed waving <laughs> picture. Or Spencer always deploys Spencer always deploys the one with the mic in his face in the hospital bed. Like. <laughs> yes, that was they're, both, that. they're both outstanding. <laughs> like, I can't believe he did that. Like, <laughs> but anyhow, that, all who, of that. Who was it that waved up to him? I forget who. Was it Derek Mason? No. Was it Derek Mason? It might have been. That's I forget who they played, but like, there's the famous picture of like, but they went out for the handshake. And he's like waving up to the luxury. Yeah, that's box. what I'm saying. Like, he's just out there. So, anyhow, that one gets me every time. Always love when we get some Hugh Freeze in our life. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was a, a weird game, like, very much rivalry game, Jordan Hare magic happening. Alabama just kind of like looked sort of like they looked earlier this year when they were just sort of like farting around and didn't seem to have a plan on offense. Um, should be noted, Georgia kind of did this against Auburn also this year, which is really weird. Um, and uh, didn't win either of the games. But uh, yeah, I mean, before we get to the end, you guys, any any thoughts on like the gameplay itself? Milrow did not have his sharpest performance. Yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't did look not. great, and things like <laughs> this one is always going to be weird. Like, especially. Uh, Auburn got blown out by New Mexico State last week at home. Yeah. Uh, so like, it, this one was always going to be strange. In hindsight. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty transparently, but um, yeah, just a very weird game, and like I think the the end basically erased like all of that, and yes, like it the the rest of the game is like four percent of the memory that people are going to have about this, including yeah, myself because I, I barely remember any of it. I I just found myself stupefied that like Peyton Thorne, uh, you know, the first of his name is out here just shredding the Alabama defense on RPOs. Um, well, how many did he only? They only threw six passes, or he only completed six passes the no, whole game. He only completed. He went five of sixteen for ninety-one. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but he was out there running around looking like Lamar Jackson. I mean, he was running. He did yeah, run he, for 50 He was opening minutes. it up. Did one? Yeah. No. Uh, there was a quarterback who was alleged to be a four-four guy. Oh, oh, it was the it was in the Ohio State game. They said JJ McCarthy. You know he's a four-four guy, and I was like, oh, yeah. give yeah. me a break, man. <laughs> time out, time out, time no, <laughs> like you cannot. All right, so I'm, anyway, I'm gonna need we'll to come back for this. But that game was perfectly built to annoy Logan. Uh, just... <laughs> um, I think from a macro perspective, this this game and how it ended is so funny because like one of the big selling points of Auburn hiring Hugh Freeze was like, well, he knows how to beat Bama. And like, he beat Bama for 59 minutes and 15 seconds, and then he didn't. And yes. Like, well, and then he did. They called a timeout to call that defensive play. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. We'll get to the end. The, uh, the Alabama punts it away with, uh, what do we have? Six minutes and 19 seconds. Right. And Auburn muffs the punt. Yes. Backup punt and returner Al- inexplicably in the game, of, of which he the slips. coach was not aware of. Yes. Yeah, the he slipped on the turf. And cartoonish like, slip. Gets hit with the ball. Was trying to catch it from a <laughs> Max Johnson Mario throwaway banana. angle. Just loses it. Uh, Max Johnson throwaway angle. <laughs> he did not catch it. Alabama advances it slowly but surely into first and goal territory. On third and goal, uh, sorry, second and goal, we get the the, the bad snap. Uh, Milrow had his head turned. The center snapped it prematurely. Nobody on the line moved until they recognized. Well, right before this, we had sort of like a like Alabama had to get it on a fourth and short, right? Like to convert to make it to first and goal. Fourth and one, and they ran for three yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they convert that uh, first and goal, run for the loss of one. Second and goal, bad snap. We are now third and goal at the twenty-six. Uh, I forgot about that. Milrow, yeah, Milro has at least his second illegal yes. forward pass penalty yes. called on him. Yes, it so was. get a, a loss of down. Um, and he even did the, like, he went across the line and then came and then came back. Yeah. So that's what the, re- I think it was Gary who said, like, oh, he, he went past the line. He can't throw this ball unless he backpedals back behind it. And, and then like, he did. No, and it's like, no, yeah. I don't think that's the rule that's either. That's not how the rule is. Yeah. Like, correct. Yeah. Once you leave, you're you're not a passer. I anymore. declare I am a passer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've reestablished myself behind the line of scrimmage. I will now throw the ball. The ref comes um, out. Number 12 so, has reestablished himself as a thrower of the football. Yeah. yeah. So fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. Um, Auburn rushes to, but they keep a third in as a spy. For no for reason. Some reason. For some yeah, reason. For, um, for, for some reason. <laughs> well, Six had been spying Milrow pretty much all second half, at least, and had been doing a good job of it. But what's the point um, of spying if you have eight yes, people behind I agree. The, okay, I agree. Yeah. But At the I think it's so easy line. for like yeah. football guy brain to be like, He's been doing a great job. Just do what you're doing. Do they should have, if they were going to have that guy there, they should have just had him like pretend to spy and then delay blitz. Like just like like yeah. take a one second pause and then like make the center think about something. I I don't know, but yeah. And uh, so I guess Alabama ran some variation of four verts. Everybody in the end zone. Dan Mullen did a good breakdown of this uh, halftime of whatever the late night game or the evening game was. But basically, the two receivers in the center of the field, both double covered, both receivers on the outside were single coverage. Um, Which is a choice also. Yeah. Isaiah Bond 
makes the catch. That that throw was a dime. Like oh, when yeah. he when he let it go, I was like, he threw it out of the back of the end zone. Like there's no way. Yeah, whoever is down there has a chance at it, and it was the perfect place that ball. The ball's in a one by one box. Um, someone tweeted the video of it and said, "Man, if I could bottle this sound, but just like the sound of." joy and euphoria being sucked out of jordan hair <laughs> when when he came down with that catch it was incredible and that's like that's something only sports can deliver yeah logan are you thinking of the same game that i am that we we saw that sound one time hmm. it was matt ryan destroying lane stadium on a oh, thursday night or friday that's night right. or something like that. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah i do remember that i do remember that because uh, i remember hearing in the old dorms at uva like that was the year that that happened and we all had our windows open because it was like a nice evening and you could hear like people <laughs> screaming for joy throughout the old, the old dorms, which is hilarious. So, you know, nothing like a little shout in Freud to, you know, awaken the echoes on the I have it sometimes. Uh, but yeah, so Alabama yeah. pulls it off. Um, there was some more stupidness that happened after this as well. There was like a, like a, near safety uh that involved an offensive lineman like picking up the ball and running it out of the end zone right didn't that yeah, happen so thorne got sacked harvard's <laughs> out of timeouts at this point uh so uh, got yeah. sacked strip sacked the ball like shoots back into the end zone and the lineman has to go pick it up and like advance it out of the end yeah zone. and like barely advances the ball like has to like do the lunge into the field of play to get the ball over the yeah, line so back this, to the wing this, line. that play was snapped with 26 seconds left and because of all the chaos like it took everybody on auburn offensive unit so long right to come back get set they snapped it with barely a second left on the clock <laughs> yeah Thorne threw an interception, which gets returned for a touchdown, uh, but the touchdown ultimately was not counted because he stepped out of bounds. Okay. Forward. So we went from, oh my gosh, not only did Alabama win, but they also covered to Alabama betters finding out that they actually didn't cover. But what was the final line on this? I didn't even remember. I thought it was right around the eight number, seven and a half or I have eight. No idea. Hmm. I thought it was like in the 10 range, but maybe not. Uh, for me, I had Alabama money line in too many of my college football parlays. Yeah. So that was that was an incredible roller coaster <laughs> yes. yesterday. Yes, it was. I was highly leveraged. <laughs> well, anyhow. Um a classic. The big talking point afterwards was the like, oh, the kick six is wiped out forever. And I was just kind of like, oh no, I, I think that still was you guys scraped one ounce get out and against year one right. Hugh Freeze. Like, give me a break. All right. right. Like, I, I understand yeah. this isn't Tua Tagovailoa and like Henry Ruggs and and all the uh, receivers, but my God, relax. Yeah. It was cool though. Yeah. It was it was sick. I also think kind of per picture perfect scenario for Saban. Like, you still get the win, mm -hmm. but you have so much. We've oh, talked no. about this game since he's, past. He's this loving year, it. You have so loving much it. coaching material on that film big opportunity for like a weird kitchen sink game against georgia for alabama yes. which is weird because alabama rarely is in the position to be doing the kitchen sink nothing to lose thing and um i don't know like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and talk myself in alabama winning because georgia's like just been so damn excellent but it's been uh I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of game plan we get out of alabama especially when like they have running they have the kind of quarterback <laughs> that helps to have if you're trying to upset a team you know that wants to do you know it their way 
I think uh, I think Parker Fleming has tweeted. I think he tweeted this after the Texas game and has tweeted it every week of like, hey, like Alabama can still run the table and win the SEC championship, and that probably gets them in the playoff, and they could win the national title. Like that that scenario is still on the table. Yeah, and I I, I, I do think if. No. If Alabama beats Georgia, I think they get put into the playoff, probably. I would hope so. I, I don't think that the playoff vehicle is going to want to deal with no SEC team in. Um, but well, be, I think it would be hilarious. It wouldn't it be hilarious if right if that happened. I would I would say the grousing probably, out of both of those fan bases would be. I think if, if if Alabama beats Georgia this week, I think they both make it into the playoff. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, I think they're the three and four seeds. Honestly. I don't, I, th- I think I they would leave Florida so. State out. Yeah. I think and it depends on how Florida, Florida State looks against Louisville, but yeah, probably. And if what if Washington wins? Are you? I mean, are you automatically counting that Washington is going to lose to Oregon? No, I think whoever wins the Pac-12 is getting in. Yep. So Jason it's... thinks whoever wins the Pac-12 is getting in. Michigan's getting in, and then yeah. Alabama and Georgia. Assuming they beat Iowa. That's That's doing, well, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. If right. you lose to Iowa, you're not going to play. <laughs> right. You should. Ohio State's then, not getting in. And then, yeah, I think that I think if if Michigan wins the Big Ten, they're in. Obviously, the Pac-12 champions in. And then if Alabama wins the SEC, I think both of those SEC teams are in. Yep. I just don't think you could. I don't know, Jason, because Texas is going to have one loss and a win over Alabama and potentially win the Big Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> but Alabama is going to have the best win of anybody in the sport. What about Texas winning at Alabama? Is Alabama, Al- Alabama will have won beaten Georgia. Not a, not, at Atlanta, Georgia, not at Georgia. Is, I mean, it'll be in Atlanta. Neutral field. You know Alabama set up shop in Atlanta a long time ago. They win the SEC every year. Well, I think Alabama has beaten hey. Georgia every SEC championship they've played in the last 10 years. Ooh. Ooh. That would be cool. Yeah, I don't know. First of all, I just hope all this happens because I love chaos and it's going to be glorious. I just like I I cannot wait for like the like feeble man to like trundle out of the room with like shaking hands and the piece of paper and have to read the four teams. Um, It's going to be it's going to be good stuff. So, Uh, all right, real quickly, let's whip through a few of these Kentucky. uh, You know what Kentucky does? They beat Louisville. That's what Kentucky does. So they did. They beat Louisville. Um, the ACC almost avoided, like, narrowly avoided an absolute disaster for themselves yeah. this weekend. If, if Florida State had lost and Louisville had lost, and both these teams had to trot out and play the ACC championship game in like the the most flaccid Soulless game of stadium. all time, yeah, that that would not have that would not have gone well. Uh, BYU and Oklahoma State went to overtime. Oklahoma State uh, advances to the Big Twelve championship game to play Texas again. Um, weird all around. Clemson and South Carolina played a pretty weird and disgusting uh, Iowa-Nebraska-style football game. Clemson takes down South Carolina. Um, they did, like, all the scoring in this game in the first half and then, like, I guess just traded punts and interceptions and, like, bad football for the second half, it appeared. Spencer Rattler, I don't know what happened there, guys. That one is weird to me. Very weird. Yeah. He, was, he was supposed to be the one. I don't understand. It's I very think weird. It's sad when you think about it. Like he was so highly touted. He went to the Lincoln Riley School for for promising yeah. quarterbacks and, and had then, had a year. Had had a Lincoln Riley year. Um, yeah, just all fell apart. I think Shane's on on my warm seat heading into twenty twenty four. Also, that. I think that's uh, fair. Jason, 
the Dukes, they got their shot at redemption. A mad Kirk Zignetti-led team preparing himself for the drive to Durham for his interview this week. Uh, what, uh, what what do you got to say about the Dukes? Uh, yeah, they, they kind of just mowed through Coastal Carolina. Um, exercised some demons, if you will. They might, they might have exercised some demons, but it wasn't like it, we didn't. I don't even know what our longest play was in this game, but it wasn't very long. It probably like topped out at like 25, 30 yards. Um, we just, Jamie just kind of like kept going and rarely got stopped for a loss. And Coastal Carolina didn't get off the field very often. Um, after, uh, I'll say they, they forced a couple punts early. And then from there on out, Jamie kind of did what they wanted. Um, Coastal scored both their touchdowns on big plays late. Um, so it was very much just a beat uh, them down, down situation. Yeah, two teams at very different levels. Um, they rolled up 480 yards, only turned the ball over once, 26 first downs. Um, yeah, just kind of just kind of laid into them. And Coastal, I mean, Coastal won seven games. If they had beaten us or App State had lost, they would have represented the East in the Sun Belt Championship game since, Jamie, you couldn't. Um, wow. So, like, it's not like they're a bad team. They're the third-place team in the East, and JMU put the paws on them pretty good. So, 11-1 and one Dukes, a, a business-like approach to the final regular season game. Love that. And the Dukes are going bowling. Dukes are going bowling. There was, um, there was some weird tension during the broadcasts. Like, I think somebody miscounted, like, the, the chances for getting it because – the play-by-play person. I don't know if she like wanted to be the one to announce it, but like throughout the whole game was like everything is going against the Dukes and these results right now. Like they are not catching yeah. a break. Things are going to get close. And you had the electoral up, map pulled up. And I, I wish that'd been awesome. <laughs> but like it ended up, we like cleared it by three games. Like yeah. not only were we eligible, but Jacksonville State is like, eligible. I think and five and Minnesota seven Minnesota has the option yeah. to go to so, a bowl game so we were, safe, we, know... we were safe at about nine o'clock the destination is not known yet we just know we're going to a bowl and it's going to get weird because the Sun Belt has 12 bowl eligible teams which is kind of a wild number yeah um it ties say, the record are they are they prepared like logistically are they tied into 11 bowls or is it just no kind of be a there's only bowl? there's only seven Sun Belt tie-ins um okay but they they have to find that the other five will find spots, so it's just wherever we end up. Um, the, the I have no inside knowledge, and nobody I don't think anybody's decided anything. They have to, I think some of the stuff has to wait till next week because they have to see who makes the New Year's Six. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons for that is so the Duke's Mayo Bowl is ACC SEC in Charlotte. Um, the SEC presumably is going to have two or three New Year's Six Bowl participants, uh, probably three with Missouri. Um, and that will take them below their, their like tie-ins. And so at somewhere an SEC tie-in is going to have to get dropped. And so the obvious answer is to put the JMU Dukes versus Duke in the Dukes Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. And oh. you know, it's going to be weird but, for Signetti to watch that one from the skybox when he's already accepted the yeah. Duke job. It might. It was from the blimp. <laughs> He could um, do it with a, a polo shirt that's split down the middle. And... Oh, that would be badass. Uh, yeah. I would love yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the split household polo shirt coaching. Or the, sh- the shacket split down the middle, I think, is the better look. Ooh, for, especially um, for him. Yeah. 
Q-Zip. Right. right. Yeah. Is, so, is he the coach who raw-dogged the shacket? Just no shirt underneath the yeah. shacket? I don't oh, think. That's a wild but, I mean, move. Maybe. I don't if, was it white? Else? I feel I'm like I have to go back into the archives. I feel like I feel like if, Co- Coach Kurt was guilty of some egregious jacket. I can't rule it out. Jacket dogging. <laughs> you jacket um, dogger. Ugh. So, anyways, the Dukes are vulnerable. We have no idea where yet. Um, go Dukes. But we'll keep it. We'll keep an pretty, eye on it. If it's the fun. Boca Raton Bowl, bring it on down, boys. Let's do it. Ooh. Corporate retreat. <laughs> Love that plan. Two point <laughs> Fire yeah. it up. We could pay four hundred dollars to play golf at the park. It'd be great. All right. Yeah. Um, yes. Who? Jordan. You. It's Pickfield time. Unless you have another yeah. game you want to touch on. Uh. Let me take a look. Do we want to between quick. between the tasting menu and the picks? Do we want to talk coaches, or do we want to save that for the very end? I think let's go to the very end. We're kind of okay. in a. We're in a in game. A good flow state with games. Um. Oh, you know what? Shout out to Cal. They, yes. They beat UCLA on the road as decent underdogs. They wrecked what would have been a perfect day of parlays for me, um, but that's okay. The <laughs> the investors are still Sounds thrilled okay. yes. with the results we had this weekend. Um. But yeah, just Wilcox got got the Golden Bears bowl eligible, uh, six and six. Love the old school like block C hat he wears on the sidelines. It's a very Navy C with just like a block like uh, gold or whatever their yeah. yellow is uh, C on it. I'm I'm down for coaches just wearing like solid hat letter mm. on on the sidelines. What did you think about? To, uh... Shout out to Chip Kelly for the same game for uh, repelling off midweek rumors of firing with a big win last week and then losing to Cal to end the season. Yes. Well, you know, senior night and emotions are running high. Their starting quarterback also got hurt, like, first drive. Yeah, that's right. I did see that. How many different starting quarterbacks have they had this year? They've had at least three, I think, which is crazy. Yeah, so I don't know why this original kid was – was benched or was unavailable mid-season when the Dante Moore experience happened. He came back and was the starter through three tuds, I think, against USC last week. Wow. Uh, got his elbow just wrecked on ah. uh, the drive, their I... first drive. Uh, Dante Moore comes in, first play from scrimmage, throws an interception in the end zone. Um, not great. I think Dante turned it over three or four times. But, again, shout-out to Cal. They they did what they had to do, um, but that's the only game I think that also stood out to me. So we will go to Pickville, where we had a smattering of results. Uh, Logan, you mm. went one and four. Not my best. Not your best. Jason went two and three. I went three and two. So we have uh, a fairly tight dispersion for the year-long records uh, as we head into conference championship week. Sick. One game separates Jason and I in first, and then two games separate Logan from me. Um, so six games on the docket next week. Could could be a lot of moving and shaking in those standings. Let's but, do it. Uh, first game Malik of oil on the stretcher. was together. Oregon and Oregon State. This was Friday at 8.30 p.m. Oregon took care of business. They yeah. Really good. Yeah, Oregon looks great. I mean, Oregon State has looked really good to this point. I kind of was going with the theory that, like, you know, 
Oregon has been ripping teams up. Oregon State likes to play close games. They were in it with Washington. They were, you know, they just like are they're good. They're effective. Like big backdoor cover potential on that number thirteen and a half. Uh, I was loving all of that. And uh, Oregon State scored seven points in the first half and zero points in the second half. And Oregon pretty much ran away. Thirty-one to seven was the final, or thirty-four to seven, something like that. Thirty-one seven. Yeah. So, Bo Nix. Who'd have thunk it? Years ago, I love Oregon's offense. I am really, I'm, God, I'm so good. Really into it, and would, would be interested in Florida paying ungodly sums of money to that young man to come call plays. <laughs> but, I, am, I am interested in your newsletter. I have sir. a long list of people who I would be interested in Florida forking over like two point one million dollars a year for. So just, just, just keep them, keep them coming. Uh, yeah, I think like, yeah, that that offense is is different from the Chip Kelly offense yes. when he was at Oregon. But it brings back some of those same vibes in that we have, like, a lot of smaller, diminutive, just speed guys running horizontally. Speed in space, baby. Getting the ball on the run and going. Like, a lot of DeAnthony Thomas-type bodies yes. who you cannot keep up with. And that's right. a lot of fun to watch, regardless of how you scheme their routes and their splits and all, all that other stuff. It's awesome. Right. You you took the words right out of my mouth. I was gonna say it reminds me a lot of the the like late aughts, early teens Oregon offenses where it was just like that dude is already at four or five speed and he's running at an angle that nobody has an angle on him somehow every play. And so uh yeah, super fun to watch. And shout out to Oregon's defense. Uh Oregon State was uh flummoxed, yeah. we'll say. They did they could not get anything going. Um, it, well, I think it that's what that impresses a... me by about Oregon is like they, I'm going to use a Billy Napier term, but they play like really good complementary football, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and Shout out to Bronco Mendenhall, <laughs> yes, well. right, right, CS guy. <laughs> but like they, I mean, and, and maybe what I'm saying is that like Oregon's not soft, and Oregon, most of the Oregon teams that I've seen before, like look good and then they go play Stanford and Stanford just, you know, cracks them, bends them over and cracks them open. Right. Like, and that's like, you know, they, this Oregon team is not having those problems. Now, maybe some of that is a credit to Mario Cristobal recruiting the lines well for a couple of years. And like, they, they actually have dudes on the offensive. Well, yeah, but they have, they have legitimate dudes on the offensive and defensive lines, which is like, you got to have to make your defense good and your offense good. But like, even on offense, like that's why I think, their offense is intriguing to me. Like it doesn't appear to be like a gimmicky, like run and shoot offense. Like they, they run the ball, like in a sort of a traditional manner and they like use play action in a traditional way, but then they also blend together that sort of um, those aspects of like the new modern, you know, sort of option run game, which is more like pop passes and getting guys like in motion Fish with routes, the ball quicker. Routes. Yes, exactly. So I don't know. I think all of that is, is really cool and a testament to, uh, landing building program in, in the way he wants to build it, which I think is pretty neat. But I think that offensive coordinator should be getting a job somewhere else. You would think Oregon, he want it? Oregon State. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Should he want it? Which is going to be a big question, uh, I think, Ooh. heading into the new era of coaching hires and fires. Is would I rather make two million dollars a year as Oregon's offensive coordinator and wait for one of these big three conference jobs to open, or? Do I want to go like get head coaching experience in the Mountain West at like a team that can probably not pay me that much and definitely not pay my players as much, right? So, or do I want to be done with recruiting and go to the NFL like or, Brady did? Or that, right? 
All right. Uh, Saturday at noon, we had the game. The I game. Johnson, like, always emphasized the, like, when I say T-H-E, I'm a big the guy, but when it's the game, it was always uh, a long E, the game. I guess it's easier to put emphasis on it if you say the versus the the game. <laughs> You'd be like yelling, but um, I will say I, it's very obvious. Like the number of times that it gets mentioned is like this is college football's greatest rivalry, and like it's like you, it's like Fox clearly handed out talking points. It's like no, you don't even get to talk about Alabama Auburn or yeah. any of these other ones this like you this game we have the rights to right do not acknowledge anybody else and they found a good spokesman in gus johnson and he does the job for them so oh gus was awesome yep. um ryan day not awesome not great lost not the awesome. game to an interim head coach who uh spencer hall put it beautifully uh the interim head coach was out daring ryan day like yes much more aggressive much more foot on the gas like we are not afraid of mistakes or like we're going to go for it on fourth and short a because we're confident but also like we're not scared of you guys yeah um Kyle McCord also not great in this game no no he wasn't I don't really I mean he had, he had times when he McCarthy like, wasn't great exactly I don't think either of the quarterbacks were like so the, I thought the, McCord the story. made more plus plays or McCarthy made more plus plays than McCord did, and that's I would agree. Why I think McCarthy played game. better. So I somebody tweeted, and I agree that it seemed very obvious in about the third quarter that neither team was champing at the bit to put the ball in the hands of their quarterback and put the game yeah. in the hands of their quarterback. Um, and so I don't think they were super tested, and you know it's probably tough to get rhythm that way and that sort of thing. And like if you're throwing one pass every four or five plays. You know, you're just going to probably like try to get the ball out of your hands. And it, it was not a day for the quarterbacks for sure. I do agree that McCarthy played better than McCord, but it was just not, yeah. a, not an exhibition for the quarterbacks. No, I mean, I think the big, the big sort of, the, I don't want to say the crux of the game, but one of the big and telling plays of the game was an interception that McCord threw in the first, yeah. in, in the first half, right? That was a ball that was behind Maserati Marv and uh, got picked off and Michigan was able to cash it in a few plays later. Um, and that like kind of ends up being the uh, the, <laughs> uh, the the guess I don't, I don't want to say the difference, but the margin that like really mattered in this game. Um, Ohio State seemed to be kind of in a situation where they needed to be chasing the game and playing with a little bit more urgency than they did, and they seemed totally content. I think like maybe seeing Michigan just ground grind teams to dust, like they thought that Michigan was just going to like play that game for sure and i i think to sharon moore's credit and michigan's credit you're you're right like they were more aggressive than ohio state who was not aggressive at all right so it's like i don't think that michigan had like a super aggressive game plan and like the narrative before the game and like was like sharon moore addressed the boys and said that no one is going to be more aggressive than i am and it's like okay dude you threw one halfback pass in the whole game and like we just like have turned the whole narrative into like more aggressive but like there's a, a fourth and less than a like a fourth and a foot in the first quarter from the 45 yeah. yard line. I was going off in the text chat about this. Like it's just so dumb. How do you not go for it? You have you have Travion Henderson. You have a big you old have the big running back you who you scored with at you Notre Dame a, to win a, a the game. Big, big five four five star quarterback that should be able to lean forward for a yard. Like 
you you have to be able to hold on to the ball there and like try to take the game to the other team. I think that's like one of the things that I've noticed Especially with on the road. Yeah, so like, it was it was just really oh, weird. Man. I mean, uh Marvin Harrison Jr. finishes the game with five catches for 118 yards and a touchdown, like had a really good game by his standards, yeah. but didn't ever feel like he was like that much of a factor in the game, which was weird. And um yeah, I, I think like it was a close game and I don't think like Ryan Day's like like I, I think Ohio State is pretty limited at quarterback and this might be, you know. Uh, like how it has to look, but I don't know, man. Like if you actually want to win the game, you have to at a certain point. They didn't have a problem putting it in Kyle McCord's hands when he went the length of the field against Notre Dame earlier this year, right? Like, right. like why? Like what has what? happened, and why are you so scared of? I mean, they so basically you just lose the game by not doing anything and just like letting Michigan be kind of better. Like you played like an ultra vanilla version of Michigan's ideal game plan and like Michigan played their regular game plan and beat you. So it's like, what, what, what were you thinking was going to happen there? I, I don't know. It, it just, to me was, was bad. And like, they didn't get it. Like Michigan scored on a bunch of drives in the second half. Like it wasn't the kind of game where you needed to be leaning on your defense. Cause your defense was just like absolutely keeping you in it. But both teams moved the ball. Okay. At times. I don't know. It was just, it was it's a weird worth game. pointing out that Ohio State had that their I think it was their first drive after halftime where they just freaking marched. Um, and, and it was like, all run plays, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, like that's that's what was so weird about the the refusals to go for it on fourth down is like you you proved you can do it. And yeah. like I'm not saying you should just like pull a Michigan and run 37 straight run plays, but like yeah, just very very strange. And it it caps off three. Well, it might not cap it off, but mostly caps off three years of every single college football fan just being like, you know, you had Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Like, what are you doing? Like, call the touchdown play, like Spencer says. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I so I look back on this Ohio State season body of work, and to me, like, Kyle McCord seems to have peaked in the Notre Dame game, and it's kind yeah. of remarkable that, like, because after that they game, I left together. that game. Yeah, I left that game thinking like, "Oh dang! Like this guy is growing. He is expanding his capacity. For sure, he might be a problem if he keeps developing." And it seems like he not only plateaued from that game, but regressed even a little bit. Um, I think if you're looking at the bigger picture, like, yes. Ohio State was going to regress at quarterback this year regardless of who they put back there because they were not going to be C.J. Stroud. But it is... But C.J. Stroud played in this game last year and they still yeah, lost the it same way. It's surprising so. that, one, you lost the game with C.J. Stroud last year at home. Uh, two, like, this quarterback play is the best you can do with this team. Like, to me... It, it's surprising that they were not or cho maybe chose not to go harder in the transfer portal for a quarterback. Well, and they like, did, didn't there? So there was a potentially fake quarterback uh, competition before the season and McCord won it, right? I think that was pretty public. Um, and then McCord gets to play and then they, they did have like their other guy that they would bring in and short yardage plays and, and stuff like that. But he got like, I think he blew out his he did get hurt. Yeah. I think he's been. I think he was like out for a long time or had a high ankle or something like that. So like I like 
I don't think that guy has played at all for a while. You're you're not you're not wrong. Like I mean, it, it is curious how it but can. He just... never seemed to be a threat for like. Oh, he he can plug yeah. in for Kyle McCord and run the. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I feel like the, the controversy was fake because like if if yeah. this is as good as you can do, the other guy like can't be that good. But yeah. um, the Ohio State valued like how good their defense was going to be able to stand up also and like they were not that far off like i don't i don't think it was the worst game plan i just think that it was like such a vanilla game plan that like you shouldn't really be surprised that you you lose um yeah. if you if so you it's, don't put forth any effort to like take the game to the other team at all not to throw stones at somebody who i think is a very good coach this kind of feels like the uva basketball problem of like when you play this kind of game plan, it makes your margin of error much smaller. Ohio State outgained Michigan by 40 yards, sure. but they turned the ball over twice and didn't force any turnovers. And like well, right the last there, turnover, the last turnover kind of was well fair. You're right, one one yes. turnover and yeah. a desperation turnover. But but still, like all it, all it does is make your margin of error smaller. So like yeah. Ohio State might be more talented than Michigan and probably should have beaten them. But like you yeah. you play like that, you give a team that is not that much less talented than you, if at all, more chances to, to make you pay for it. And so. But it's also so strange that, like, I can remember years ago, who who's the old D.C. that Michigan had? Was it Don Brown? Yeah. Who just, like, yeah. would put together these stalwart defenses every year and they just get quick slanted to death by Ohio State and they would lose yeah. the game by 30 points. Yeah. And, like, Ryan Day had a front-row seat for those wins and saw what worked against oh, Jim Harbaugh. Called the plays, right, yeah. Yeah, and then just, like, has for some reason decided to depart from that in, as of late. Um, yeah, I think their talent, I think their, like, absolute talent advantage has gone away some. Um, but anyhow, I want to I wanna workshop a quick take with you guys. Uh, Ooh, why, why should Michigan bring Harbaugh back? For the playoff or next Sharon year? Sharon Moore's like four and zero this year and has played and has coached like three of their biggest games. Are you and, saying for the playoffs? No, I'm just saying like 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 is it is it worth bringing Jim Harbaugh back if he's going to be like suspended for like right. half the season next year? Like like I don't know. I kind of thought that this team played with a little bit more juice on offense than a Jim Harbaugh offense typically. Like a Jim Harbaugh in charge of the game plan team typically does. Not not that Harbaugh wasn't in charge of this game plan because he probably was, but I don't know. Teams seem to respond pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think some of that response comes from the fact that they, you know, decided they were slighted and it's Michigan versus everybody. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh like, didn't coach like six games dead. this year. They they yeah. they played without him for That's six wild. games this year. Fifty percent yeah. of their games were Harbaugh. So, anyway, um, to think about. but I, I, I think it's it's a fair question. I think nobody on the outside really knows what the results of all this mess is going to be. Oh, of course. Um, the only thing we do know is that Michigan uh, was like super anti, like, no, we never did anything wrong. Jim Harbaugh's our man. Blah, 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 blah. And then the like the NCAA and the Big Ten showed them like one thing, and they were like, okay, we accept the expansion, the suspension, and also this guy is fired. <laughs> like, okay, something happened there that multiple that guys have been fired now. Yeah, and like it was uh, also like we'll see you in court in court to appeal right. the hearing until it was an hour before court time, and they're like, no, oh no, we'll we'll mm. suspension. 
Well, not that, they, yeah, I, not that as a JMU fan, I would know anything about that, but it's fine. Um, but Harbaugh's back, so Harbaugh's going to be back on the sideline now. So his suspension is done; correct. it's just over. But then there's, but pending the results of the NCAA investigation, right. he could. So that be was the Big Ten agreement. Subsequently and, suspended again. Okay, and right. of course the NCAA. So we don't, we don't really know what's going to happen. The NCAA will decide that stuff probably uh, like next August. So. God. Awesome. All right. Anyways, okay, but I, I do think that dialing it up you know my Las Vegas Raiders. Credit to Sharon Moore. I like he's done an outstanding job and yeah. kept the train on the tracks. That's right. Uh, what you do we think on the other side of things? Tracks. Go ahead, well, I was going to ask about Ryan Day. I don't know if you were going to move on or if oh, we had Ryan Day thoughts collectively. I, I don't think this changes my stance on Ryan Day. I, I think it just kind of like solidifies it a little bit. Like, I don't no, trust I, I think you were out in front in of this a, one in a big game. Um, I think he maybe squanders talent and roster advantages to some degree. Um, like winning, I think I saw he's 56 and seven as Ohio State's head coach. Like that's, that's a great track record, but the games you lost are like, they are significant games. Yeah. And if you are going to be Ohio State's coach, you need to win them at a better rate than he has. So, I like. I'm not saying here like, oh, I told you so. He, yeah, I just like. I have a like, yeah. I have a tough time reckoning the like extreme version of that. Take Jordan. And I'm not saying that you're saying he needs to get fired because you're not. But like, there are people who say like he can't win this game. That's the only game that matters. Therefore, he needs to get fired. And I have a tough time reckoning that take with like they were the only team that that should have beat Georgia last year. Mm-hmm. And like that game happened less than a calendar year ago. We, we all watched it happen and. Part of his, it was his, some of his cowardice that was the reason they didn't pull that off, right? So, like, he played a role in that game going the way it did, but he also played a role in that game going the way it did in their favor, right? So, it's kind of like, I, I, I guess. I just think that this is like the most classic example of like, be careful what you wish for Ohio state, like who, you know, like, cause you, you see like the Ohio state fan post guy meme person. Who's like, you know, he's an outsider and he doesn't understand what it takes to be a Buckeye and like all of these things. And it's like, like you're just going to bring any guy in and they're just going to start beating Michigan again, because like you does you, you're owed to beat Michigan every year. Um, and I also think that like, it's easy to say like the games he lost were of like great significance. Like, sure. That's, I guess that's true when you, when you've, when all of your losses are either in the playoff or to a team that like made it to the, the playoff, like that to me, like that doesn't mean you're not like excellent at your job. Yeah. But I, I also think there's some recency stuff in it and that like, now that's probably it, true. It's yeah. not trending in the direction you would hope for. Yeah. And like I said, I think that like Ohio state still recruits really well. Um, but like, you know, I, I, I do think that like Michigan has kind of made up the gap there a little bit, especially if you compare like number of players drafted in the past handful yeah. of classes and stuff like that. So, all right. That's a lot about this game, but it was, it was, a, it was a good game. Um, it's college football's biggest rivalry. It was a little, it was a little, what I hear. it was a little snoozy in the middle. I may have drifted off a little bit in the second quarter there, but we wouldn't have blamed you. We cut bit. back, we cut back up. Speaking of snoozers. <laughs> The Commonwealth Cup took place, allegedly, yeah. at 3.30 p.m. in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, I I don't have a whole lot to say about this. Like, it, UVA sucked. Um, Virginia Tech, by all accounts, played probably their best game of the year. Um, 
watching this game, I have some questions about how this is only a six and six team. If if they are capable of what they put on the field uh, Saturday, um, just really confusing from a UVA standpoint. Of they looked like they reverted back to the week three version of this team yep. that could not stop a pass rush and also did not seem to have plays prepared to call for when the offensive line was not protecting the quarterback. Like, I don't, I don't have the episode number off the top of my head, but um, I can remember saying, like, they do not seem prepared to call a game, Des Kitching being them, um, <laughs> in which, like, the quarterback does not have time for routes <clears throat> to develop and to make reads through his progressions. And after the bye week, they seem to have done something to shore things up. But it was pretty clear. For both quarterbacks, um, too. It wasn't just a, like a quarterback thing either. Like, Yeah, Musket and Calandria were early in the season, no time, getting rocked, and seemed to have fixed some things over the bye week. This game seemed to be back to square zero from that standpoint. Um, really frustrating to see like minimal to no attempts of like, hey, maybe we move move the pocket out once or twice and like get the quarterback on the run and let him throw from uh, a moving pocket. Maybe we try and take advantage of the aggressive defensive line linebackers and mix a screen pass in or two. Like it seemed to be, well, we're going to call the same plays, just do it quicker. And that was a recipe for disaster. So, uh yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't enter this game thinking like, yeah, UVA should win this game. I thought they could under yeah. a lot of correct circumstances lined <clears throat> up, but those obviously did not. So remember when I used to say that I didn't like Clemson's offense because I and I alleged that it was a high school offense and that they mm-hmm. survived on like prospective 50-50 discrepancies and 50-50 balls on the sideline with big yeah. receivers. Like, to me, this was the, like, the epitome of that take. Um, Virginia once, like, has good receivers, right? And But I think that there may be a, a reality in which they overvalue how good the good receiver is and think that he's just going to, like, dunk on everybody the whole game. And then you add in, Jordan, the stuff you're talking about, offensive line not being able to hold up very well. I don't know if that was a scheme thing or if that was a injury thing or a mixture of of a lot of things. God knows the other that I root for it like is having like apocalypse on the offensive line. So like that can that can ruin your game plan really fast, but like I I don't know. I just it did, they didn't seem prepared for the game and they did not seem prepared to get smacked in the mouth as hard as they did either. And like once it was, they were two scores down, it was kind of like, it felt sort of curtainsy pretty quick. And honestly, it should have been worse. Like they got kind of lucky with a a strip fumble as Virginia tech was likely going to score right before halftime. Yeah. That kind of delayed an expansion of Virginia tech. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Virginia tech clearly the best team, like their game plan was great. They knew what they wanted to do. They executed well quarterback seems like he's pretty good um but like you know they just kind of like they called sort of the like the balanced virginia tech game plan mixed in a reverse here and there where it made sense like they just they scored every different way and it was 
like very discouraging from a UVA fan perspective, in my yeah. opinion, especially given like I kind of thought UVA like I'm not dumb. I don't think that like I, I've seen UVA play better this year, right? Like I I, I right. under I understand that they have been in a lot of games, and like I don't think that that's for nothing. But like the fact that they like did all of the things we we kind of like have been grousing about them not doing all year against Duke last week, then to do this the very next week against yeah. rival at home is like very alarming to me. I don't I don't like. I don't like that. So, yeah, yeah. it's alarming, but it's also so confusing. It's yes. Like, oh, for sure. We, I thought you guys had turned a corner and like had had picked some things up, put some things together. Like, yeah, progress was being made, and then to just lay a giant egg like this at home um, is perplexing. Very perplexing. So, you know, shout out to VPI though they they did it. They, they are the it. they are the they are the greatest. They will have an they awesome will time. Enjoy a, a bowl game in you Shreveport. Know, Shreveport. Weird Atlantic adjacent climate. Uh, <laughs> they get there, was a, there was a lot of uh, we run the state uh, commentary and tweets from various Virginia Tech personalities, and I'm just like, I don't know, I'm not sure this is yeah. the year to say that. I think um, you know Virginia is the only team that has really meted that out and determined that they do not run the state. So they, there's yeah. one team that knows they yeah, don't run the state. It's Virginia. Um, yeah. But I don't but think Virginia Tech can quite. JMU. Like, we're not right. scared to do that. Yeah, that's right. right. Exactly. We okay. They, they paid us like $800,000 extra dollars to push it back a year. Let's so. forget about Let's forget about that one and move on to another fun one. Yeah. Uh, so along with – well, Jason, before we move on, do you have any Commonwealth Cup commentary? I didn't. I didn't watch any of this game. It seemed uh, I was. I was cooking and whatnot. Um, we did. Let him we cook. did. <laughs> yes. Let me, let me cook. Uh, we did Thanksgiving on Saturday, but um, it seemed as though this was, from the little pieces I saw, it seemed like it was kind of a situation where, like, yes, Virginia Tech is a better team. They're obviously not that much better. I don't think. It just seemed like they took advantage of every moment that they could. Yeah. Wherever. Wherever there was a hole in the coverage, like that ended up being an 84 yard pass. And if there was, you know, this little spot on the kickoff return team, whoops, it's a 94 yard touchdown return. And so like, it it seemed like there were some slip ups and Virginia Tech was motivated to just shove the knife in those exact slip ups wherever they could. And, you know, if if those are balanced out, you know, they, they probably still win by two or three touchdowns without breaking a sweat, but it, it felt like uh, once the ball started ro- ball started rolling downhill, there was not much that could be done. Yeah, I mean, this game was over by 10 minutes left in the second quarter. And yeah. I did the thing a couple of times where it was like, well, I it, like trying to talk myself into like, well, if, if they score here, and I like caught myself doing that three or four times in the first half and realized I just had the most nauseous expression on my face while I was trying to do that, like this, doesn't taste good like why am i doing this right Um, yeah i turned it off i had to i had to move on to other yeah endeavors i will say virginia tech seems to have some more speed at some uh skill positions that they haven't had in the past two or three justin fuente years um which is encouraging for them i also saw that uh coach pry brought the boys out for a team photo opportunity after the game and that the uh, sprinklers were summer summarily turned on while Classic. whilst the photo op was. So I think the 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 head of the grounds crew came out and did the mea couple for that, and he said they're they're automated, and he came out on Twitter and said they're automated, 
Um, none of us thought to turn it off in our defense. We've never had a team come back onto the field 45 minutes after the game to take a picture, which he's correct is preposterous. Um, and that they just went off because that was the timer. And uh, but yeah. everybody was like, ah, what a great rivalry. They turned the sprinklers on to get them off. It's like, I don't like not to cast them. Sometimes a broad the sprinklers here, but... go off during a team photo. Sometimes they go off yeah. when you're walking up to the first green at That's the right. Champs Club Summerfield. That's right. It happens. Sometimes you have to call the you have to call the pro shop. <laughs> hey. We've all, all right. been there. On, on to another team in orange and blue. Yeah. FSU is at Florida. Um Logan, do you want to lead? Do you want to back clean up here? What what would you like to do? I mean, I, I'm I'm interested in hearing what, what you guys have to say. I think this game had it all from a from a Florida fan perspective. There was a lot of good, there was a lot of bad, and there was a lot of just inept stuff that happened that makes you question a lot of things about the direction of the program. So um yeah, I mean it, fun atmosphere, like yeah. The, the 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 overhead like blimp or drone shots they get of the swamp at night look so cool. I don't know why yeah. that particular stadium looks so cool. I don't know if it's the orange. I don't know if it's the way like the lights go only onto the proximity field. Proximity to the equator and <laughs> that could be the aurora borealis. I I have I, I have noticed, and this is probably not unique, but like. I have sat at night games in the swamp in like the upper deck and like the way the lights are positioned, the lights like go past you. So you you're like sitting in like relative darkness. Outside the lighting. Yes. Yeah. But like the field is so nicely illuminated. I think that's part of it is like, it looks almost like a, a theater, uh, you know, with gladiators battle. Um, Will Muschamp and, and the boys. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Florida got off to a hot start had a great game plan to start the game. Um, was running the ball effectively and uh, just couldn't quite score enough points to like make this actually interesting, um, which was kind of the thing uh, that sucked. They missed a couple field goals in the first half. Um, so they got out to what a 12 nothing lead? 12 nothing lead that involved like a touchdown drive that was extended on a dubious roughing the passer call that like I thought Mike Narvell was going to slug the official. Like it was one it was a bad call. Um and uh got extended Florida scores, you know, going in. They get a field goal and then they get a safety um yep. on like an absolute jailbreak. Like the court like Rotomaker was backing up into the end zone and they were like no less than five gators, like were like planting him. Um so the vibes were very high at this point, right? Like things were going well and then you can that, make, that's this safety, was right like, when they brought like, Tebow on for the for the sideline interview. That, that really sucked the life out of the, out of the Gators' <laughs> offense. But um, Florida was very much, I think, trying to patch together like what they wanted to do on offense. Um, as mentioned, the offensive line. So the starting left tackle, Austin Barber, who I think is good. Some people don't think is good. Shocking. Um, it was out for this game, so they were moving number seventy six. Uh, famous right tackle number 76 who's been getting his butt beat on that side all year long to left tackle to go against Jared Verse this game and That'll like fix it. Jared Verse wrecked the game for Florida. He was really really good. I don't he might have had only like a sack. It doesn't matter. Um you know, he, he was did he get credit for the sack where he launched the left tackle back into the quarterback? Yeah, that was number 76 Damian George. Yes. Uh I I hope so. Awesome. He deserves it. That was awesome. Yes. Um and yeah, so like Florida just like didn't really 
they so they had their backup quarterback playing who clearly was a little bit limited through some great passes uh at times but also you could tell like was sort of a one read and go kind of guy um i think florida was definitely trying to shorten this game the first quarter went by fast i think florida had run like 26 plays florida state had run three plays like the game plan was it was the it was the culmination of like game control like how you wanted it to look and uh yeah, like I said, I, I just don't think like Florida didn't capitalize. If they had been up eighteen to seven at halftime, it would have been a little bit different, maybe. Um, had they been up twenty-six to seven at halftime, that would have been awesome, right? You know, because yeah. I don't know that Tate Rotemaker and Florida State are going to score that many points in the game. Um, you know, to get to get all the way back, especially the way Florida's defense is playing. But uh, I think Florida's defense got tired. They got a little dinged up, and then you add to that just like just some astounding boneheaded things that Florida does every game. And I've, I've said this before, maybe it's Homer fanism, but like, I feel like I haven't seen a team get like the, the boneheaded mistakes that Florida makes seem to affect them to a much greater degree than the boneheaded mistakes I see other teams making. Um, and maybe that's cause like they hurt me on a personal level that I need to maybe work on like in therapy or something like that. But it's maybe. just like, you know, why, why why does this continue to happen um we have a player ejected for spitting on a player for florida state mm -hmm. which was weird he definitely did it also um we have like uh we, we have a player ejected for targeting um on who like two guys like kind of like went at a sliding quarterback kind of have a little bit of an issue with like the sliding quarterback thing in general globally um, I think I agree. Yeah, that, with, that I agree with Bud Elliott like... on this. Bud Elliott even like kind of said like, quarterbacks do not should not be thinking that they're protected if they slide. First of all, and second of all, like you should not be like availed of the levels of protection if there's people like within tackling distance of you and you just decide to like I'm just gonna go down. And also like it was third and long and you third don't know where the sticks are. Like three yards away from yeah. the sticks. So yeah, that was the point. targeting is what it is. You shouldn't go in with your head down. You shouldn't go in and try to like wax the dude. Um but like also so I mean and that extends the final drive at the end of the game. Florida State scores a few plays later and then they, they put the game out of reach. So that was that was a shame. But uh yeah I mean I like I said like I think there was a lot of good in this game. Florida played hard. Their defense showed up in the first half. Granted, it was against a backup quarterback, and it didn't really seem like Florida State had an awesome game plan for like what they wanted to do with Rotomaker. Um, but Florida State, to their credit, stayed very patient and eventually started running the ball. Yeah. And uh, their running game like won the game for them. And and then I think they realized that Florida was not going to score a lot. So <laughs> I think they knew that they needed to score like two touchdowns, and they would uh, they would put this one away. And they and they they did that. Yeah, I, I got the sense that, like, Florida needed, kind of like you said, they needed a bigger cushion to get Rotomaker into, or Florida State in general, into more, like, chase mode. Florida yes. State never felt like they were chasing, even when they were down 12 nothing. Yeah. And things looked a little sleazy. Um, I think they made some good adjustments to the offensive game plan and – it looked like Florida later on in the game, they were not staying ahead of the sticks as often as they had in, in the first quarter, yeah. perhaps. Um, commentator said several times, like, you know, is it Max Brown? Is that what we landed yeah. on? Yes. Backup's name. <laughs> um, he, he's clearly not super comfortable in obvious passing situations, and they were in a lot more of those in the second half, um, which 
just kind of amplified the difficulty of the task at hand. Yeah, the offensive line was super cooked uh, in the in, in the second half. But I do want to go back to like I, I I think largely my take on the like Billy Napier offensive experience is that I don't think that his offense is bad. I think that actually his offense is quite effective and does a lot of things that really help quarterbacks out. And like I think the running game is well designed, um, and all of these things are true. He Billy Napier has some like game feel issues that I have big problems with. Like they ran a double reverse flea flicker after like, I think getting the ball at like midfield and lost like 17 yards. Uh, Oh, there was a, so there was an intentional grounding at the end of the play. So they you lose 17 yards and you're staring at the end of down. Yeah. So you're staring at second and 27 from no, no longer midfield anymore either. Right. So like, you're not like that that is a complete like lost drive that you had really good field position on and and then you give florida state the ball and florida state goes down the field and scores like a touchdown right before halftime that they they kind of needed and then you know florida gets the ball busts off a 52 yard run and like you miss a field goal so it's like, like <laughs> you, you, yep. you know there's just things kind of the the missed field goals right those add up the like just like inexplicable and he they're, they're they seem to be good for one or two of them a game just like an inexplicable like loss of 20 yards on a play that will just kill a drive and like nuke any sort of um you know uh offensive momentum or, or rhythm that you maybe have and like you're in a situation there where like you could get a little closer and either kick a field goal or maybe score a touchdown and you're not that far away you're you know you're up 12 to nothing like all of a sudden if you're up 19 to nothing like florida state is gonna like be in panic mode right and that would be that would have been a nice thing to do but you know i just think that there's some i don't know yeah there's some interesting like game feel like for someone who's really into analytics like people talk about the middle eight a lot florida is awful in the middle eight and i mean i'm not saying that like that's the only stat that matters but like you know Florida State, Florida State got the ball coming out of halftime. Like you needed to get some points there in sandwich between those two drives, and Florida State scored on both those drives. It's got touchdowns and like just took the lead. So it's like your entire first half of effort was squandered in four minutes of actual football time, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, so it was just it was just tough. I think Florida's really. I do think Florida's really young. I do think that like they have been really good at evaluating talent um, in the transfer portal, Graham Mertz, etc and Ricky Pearsall and uh, and at the high school level. So we'll continue to hope to stock the stock the shelves with talent and see what you, you got to do. But I don't know we could maybe talk about this in the in the coaching uh, side of things. when We talk about coaching carousel stuff, but I think that like you're going to have to put some uh, some uh, some scalps on the wall if you're Billy Napier just to kind of serve notice yeah satiate the mob a little bit serve serve notice i don't know like how widespread the changes need to be um but i think there are some pretty common sense ones that need to be made so i don't know i mean did did you did you guys like outside of just taking this in because it was on like have any any takeaways or i i kind of like i said earlier i just felt like florida was the much more like frenetic side yes even with even with the lead they seemed much more angsty and i would say all, all i would say especially with the lead they seemed angsty i i was reminded of early in the season when you guys 
we're talking about like UVA knows what it's doing when it's trying to come back and then all of a sudden they have the lead and didn't like oh god what do we do now well it kind of um, takes some of the decisions out of your hands right it's right like you only have like right it felt like it like it felt to me like the the vibes in the stadium were impeccable when they went up 12 nothing like everybody's oh, going yeah. nuts and yeah. but it felt like the game plan was kind of just like huh okay well we did not expect to be here what do <laughs> right. we do about this situation and yeah. so that that to me was the more concerning part of of just the entire evening is it it seemed like Florida was much more confident for the first 25 minutes when they were you know they were leading but they weren't like I think they expected to take more counter punches than they did for the first 25 minutes yeah. and then they didn't really know what to do and then you know Florida State even without um their quarterback when they get rolling that that's they're tough to stop they, yeah, they are a lot of talent, team. Yeah. and so no, uh, that, that, that to me was the, the telling thing of the game is is they were definitely, in my eyes, they were more frenetic when they had the lead of just like, oh, uh, interesting. Okay, we should devise something to do about having this lead. And that that was more concerning. <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, that all that worked? Like, yeah. what do we do now? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. It was that that was interesting. But yeah, I, it's just kind of a it's kind of a I shame. Do, I do it, think Billy, Billy Napier needs to. Need, not not clean house like you said it's not like the the building's burning down or anything but he needs to show like hey i know this isn't right and we're going to try to be active to fix it to instead stay, of like well yeah hey, you guys just chill out we'll get it fixed like he's done nothing to show that that and he's big time like he does the same thing much champ did he comes out after every game talks about like we're gonna look at the tape we're gonna get it fixed like we know that there's problems yeah. we got to get fixed and you know that's fine but you also can't be up there beating your chest about being mr discipline mr uh attention to details guy and you know i will say florida operationally was a lot cleaner than they were against missouri um last night which with a backup quarterback which was weird but they were certainly not uh um you know uh, otherwise playing disciplined football so anyhow we yep. let's let's move on we there's we can we can talk about this for too long yep uh before we go to the carousel unc and nc state played a game nc state gave carolina those paws mm-hmm. um weird season for unc <laughs> Not, brings me it brings jordan no joy to report brings me no joy to <laughs> this, that another team jordan school is finding itself in some frequently situations but um don't worry max max gonna be back next year he's already planning yeah. spring practice right um drake may is great i like that i enjoy well, that he so, um, ahead, in the press conference he was like yeah this is only happening because i'm old and uh people want to recruit against me and i was like that's the whole reason mac it's, it might be <laughs> yeah. part of the reason but it doesn't have anything to do with losing at home as a three touchdown favorite to oh, sure. Virginia. Also, Mac, Mac Brown is only 72 years old. Wow. Guys, you know Cher is 77? Good for her. I saw her out her. just getting it at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Dolly, Dolly yeah. got after it at the. She's Cowboys also day. 77. Dolly Parton. Well, yeah. well parts of Dolly are like 23, but you know, kudos <laughs> to her either way. An American icon. Back in the year 2000, she had some significant. That was disrespectful. Installed. Now we're gonna have to bleep that. <laughs> All right, let's go to the carousel. Uh, just real quick, uh, the the post game scene. Dave Doran has had some gems, some post post game gems this year. Um, telling Steve uh, Steve Smith to kiss his <laughs> most recently um, sure. because he alleged. 
say it was a basketball school. Um, but yeah, he he's he likes to th- use the word damn a lot. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna have a damn good time and you know things like that. Pretty funny. Anyhow, he was extremely feeling himself. Uh, we are going to uh, have a good time tonight out in Rollywood. He said he exclaimed gleefully in the post game, and then they kicked it to this linebacker that that NC State has, Peyton something. Yeah, number eleven. Number eleven, and. I don't know if you guys could look this up. I mean, it was one of the most stereotypical, but also awesome, like kind of doofy, like football guy, linebacker, like herder interviews that I've seen in a long time. But he was just like, he has like a a little bit of a a kind of like a faint lisp going, which just makes it very charming to hear him talk. And just like, he's just talking about how he's just going to have a good time with his friends. And (laughs) and yeah, it was really good. They were very excited. They should have been very excited. Um, you know, they, they talked a lot about beating those powder blue boys. Um, you know, I, I thought for a minute we were going to get some like, like they were going to allege some people were sissies or something like that, but that didn't quite happen, thankfully. So, well, good for them for so, showing some restraint. Going to be even weirder when Dave Doran, you know, is uh, interviewing for another job after uh, I think a think couple of big nights know. out in Rollywood. I think I see you guys the video of him in the locker room when he was like, it's been you know, like 800 and whatever days since we got beat by those pieces. That's all right. Thank you, Listen, someday. As a uh, you know, I sat I sat through some speeches, not unlike those pre freshman football uh, game. That's, that's right. Yeah. So it happens. All right, Jordan. All right, that was Pickville carousel time. We gotta we gotta keep it efficient. But, uh, <laughs> there have say. been some moves. There have been some moves. So yeah, let's let's kick it An to already busy day. Things that we know. Oh god. Uh, okay, Michigan State. Congrats to Michigan State. First off the board, more or less, they hired Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. I think um, we had heard that there was a lot of Mike Elko talk there, uh, but I seems like an, an entirely good hire. We'll see if it works out. Yeah, I got yeah. I got no beef with Jonathan Smith. He seems like a good dude. It's got to be weird to leave your alma mater, but uh, he probably has seen the writing on the wall there from a conference and like. The future Resources is decidedly uncertain at Oregon. Yeah, I'm That's sure, sure that the circumstances eased his angst. Yes, and the, and probably the quiche, which is one that of the circumstances. Help. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. Right. All right. Uh, Texas A&M had had themselves a run this weekend. Okay. Um, we had like Please. confirmed reports that they were moving to hire Mark Stoops last night. Um, Woke up to a text from Jason. Guess it's not happening. Um, maybe it's going to be Elko. So I listened to some podcasts that go off like late night, and it sounds like around like twelve thirty one o'clock a.m. Uh, this guy Matt, this is his name Matt Jones, I think, Kentucky Sports Radio, plugged in guy over there, um, was reporting that it looks like Stoops is staying. Uh, you know, Stoops put out said- a statement himself. So he said, he, I have it one of very good sources, which frankly I took to mean Mark Stoops. But yeah, I mean, who yeah. else? Then, would it then be? yeah, like 45 minutes later, it's John Calipari. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyhow, I, I won't leave. So, I mean, before we get to Texas AM, did hire Mike Elko, BTW, that is confirmed official um, yep. Duke's head coach. But like Mark Stoops, I mean, I'm. I, <laughs> I think both of these both of these guys seem like very much the same of the same vein to me. Um, like just yeah. solid football coaches. Stoops has done it for longer and has had a more demonstrated 
track record of success. Uh, you know, I think Stoops to Texas A&M is kind of like the bad version of that could be that it's a like Mullen to Florida type situation. Like maybe he's just like not cut out to be the head coach at like a big program with huge expectations. Right. But like, you don't know unless you find out, I think he would have been a fine hire. Um, I just am I'm curious how much money they would have had to pay him. Cause I think he makes like $9 million a year being Kentucky's head coach, which seems crazy. Like but a, eight, um, eight and a half or something. He's got the best contract in college football. Book, so I don't, it's, I mean, it's I don't, weird to me that like, so uh, you listened to Split Zone, Logan. Did it seem like Texas A&M and Stoops fell apart on Texas A&M side or on Stoops' side more? I mean, the the conversation sort of made it seem like it was kind of a, a both, like both parties played into it ultimately falling apart. So like, I don't think no. Stoops like was like, oh, I just decided I had to stay at Kentucky, right? Like, like he said right. on his Twitter. Um, but I also like... I think that the mechanism was never in place officially to like, there was never like full approval granted for him to be hired. Um, and they kind of had moved things forward. And then when I think it started to leak out, there was some probably public backlash. I don't know that it was Tennessee, like Shiano level, but I think Texas A&M has a long list of people that probably have um, a, a, a vote <laughs> and um, seemed like, you know, maybe they didn't want to pay $76 million to fire Jimbo just to probably turn around and commit $76 million to Mark Stoops, like, and and Mark Stoops' program and, and everything else. Like, maybe that, maybe there is some, like, money, like, maybe, maybe you do the analysis is like, well, Mike Elko is, like, pretty much the same thing. We have Mike Elko at home, so, like, why can't we just have Mike yeah. Elko at home, right? Like, that right. kind of situation, so. That, um, that was the weird part to me is, like, the, the backlash against stoops when you just go out and get not discount stoops because i think mike elko is an outstanding football coach but sugar free like, sugar free stoops right yeah sugar free yeah stoops. It's, it's kind of like oh he's a guy who he's an eight win head coach but at a place where the resources are going elsewhere uh in a like kind of weird recruiting spot in his conference with like it's all the same traits and like you well said, that's what i'm oh, saying like i think you could draw the dan mullen parallel a little bit like with florida yeah. it's like you 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 could talk yourself into him being like hell of a ball coach and i think he is um i also don't think that you being a hell of a ball coach means that you're going to succeed at like a program that fancies themselves in the light of alabama clemson uh georgia like mega pro mega program you know kind of ohio state kind of place so you know and i don't know that texas a&m is there and i don't know that texas a&m is ever going to get there um but they they fancy themselves in that light and the expectations are going to probably be commensurate with their their fancies right so yeah i think elko is a good hire i don't know how much relief he gets i'm a little sad it wasn't Dabo. Oh, oh yeah, I, I wanted it to be Dabo so bad, just for the. If it was Dabo with Ryan Day calling plays, just wreck so many fan bases all over the world. All right, let's keep it moving. We've already talked about Northwestern hiring David Braun. I got nothing to say, but shout out to David Braun, seven win Northwestern. Yeah. Maybe they'll play. He did it. Yeah. All right, Mississippi State is an interesting one. Um, Jeff Levy, current. Oklahoma offensive coordinator Jeff Libby has had like a different job every year for like the last five years. Also, it's really, I think like dating back to was working with Kiffin may have been the last time that he had the same job, like back to back years. And even then it might've been a different school. So anyhow, uh, Oklahoma offensive. To be fair, 
He's been at Oklahoma two years. Okay, sorry. It seems like he has been. He's uh, moved a lot. Yeah. He's he's yeah certainly has been a little bit of a hot potato situation. Um, I don't I don't know what to like say about this. I don't want to do the like grandstandy thing of like. Art Bryles is his father-in-law and he is uh, like uh, Art Bryles guy and um, was involved in the right. Art Bryles situation at Baylor. Excuse and me. like, it's all significantly of more than that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like, th- there's, there's a lot, like he has like legitimate connections to Art Bryles that like, I don't think should be held against him. And he has actual connections to like Art Bryles that should be held against him. And like, you're inviting all of that to your program. And like, from a speculation standpoint, I, I don't I don't want to be the arbiter of like when it's okay to hire people and not hire people. It's, I don't really think any of these Baylor people actually got held accountable um, for any of the stuff that happened there. And I think that's kind of the issue that people have with Kendall Bryles and with Jeff Lebby and with people from the, the tree getting uh, – people who are on that staff, I should say, getting jobs. So I'll just say all that to get kind of get that out of the way. But I, to me, this just seems like they miss uh, Mike Leach and they want spread. And they probably know that they can't recruit the way that like their coach that they had this year, Zach Barnett, Zach Barnett, I think um, wanted to uh, be able to recruit, to be able to play the style he wants to play. I think it's, it's pretty transparent. And if you're Jeff Lebby, you're probably going to make $25 million and maybe get fired in four years. And you know what? It's you're either going to live in Norman, Oklahoma, or you're going to live in Starkville, Mississippi. So you might as well make $25 million and, and then see where you're at in four years, right? I, I don't think there's that much to this. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess credit to Mississippi State for like having having an idea of here's what we want and we are accomplishing that with this. Sure. I don't know that this Jeff Levy is the best vehicle to accomplish that, but remains to be seen. Yeah. It, it inspires no like emotion from me you are you are not winning the press conference it's just oh okay jeff levy sure oh yeah yeah, i mean every jeff you're gonna have more bad google searches for him than you are good google searches because of how he was involved back at baylor and so this well and like even this year like there was a a fairly like public um admonishment levied against him levied against him if you if you will if you'll indulge me um you know in which like Art Browse is on the field wearing Oklahoma gear, like hanging out, you know, and like that was like never to happen. Right. So, you know, anyhow, I just think that there's like some unfortunate baggage that comes with that. Uh, and like, what's the difference in hiring Jeff Lebby and say hiring Alex Gullish, right? The, the guy that just got USF from like one win USF to bowl eligible in one year that runs the exact same offense. Cause he's like a uh, Josh Heupel guy, right? Like, What's you know, what's what's the difference? You know, <laughs> probably nothing. Connection <laughs> so, to big time football. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. We, like I guess we pulled from Oklahoma. Come come play sure. for guy who has Oklahoma dust on him. That's true. Um, which you know doesn't quite hit like it used to, but uh, I it's I do not. I do I do see what you're saying. Uh, will be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Allegedly, Jamie Chadwell told them no. Ooh. Which I thought was. Who do you think he's holding I mean, out for? Probably a Carolina yeah, job, South Carolina yeah. next year. I was gonna say something, something on the East Coast, and that he can step into and win quickly because South Carolina playing is a good, good, a lot of money plant there. I mm-hmm. agree with you. Uh, but yeah, maybe I mean Dave Doran 
going to move on eventually. I mean, Mac Brown going to move on eventually. Like, I think there's like a host of Carolina area jobs that could make sense for him if he if he wants to do that. I mean, he also probably is making good money and just going to run up conference titles at Liberty, just crush it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so those are all the jobs that are filled, I think, unless there's been any news that anybody wants to report. I've been monitoring. I don't believe there is any. All right, so just real quick, we'll run down the list of openings. Oregon State is open, obviously. Boise State. Uh, Syracuse is open. There's been some Dan Mullen conversation uh, with Syracuse, uh, which I think would – I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that for Syracuse. I think that would be a good fit. Um, Matt Berry was like – openly like prodding Dan Mullen on college football final yesterday about this sort of thing. So, um, you know, a lot of like slow looks at Dan Mullen and asking around and, and stuff like that. So it's kind of funny. I mean, I think those guys like to joke with each other, but um, I would imagine Mullen is down to get back in the game. Yeah, I could see it. He's a football yeah. guy. But there's also been conversation that he wants to like, you know, play golf with his son for a couple of years before he gets back in the game. So maybe he'll wait for the perfect opportunity, yeah, but like, for a down the carrier dome, you know what I'm saying? Let's go. Is it even the carrier dome anymore? I don't think it I think is. It's the RCA dome. Yeah. It's about RCA. I think RCA is out of business, aren't they? Or is it a different RCA? R and L isn't it? Um, R and L. No, RCA, sorry. The, AMA wireless dome. The RCA dome was where the Indianapolis Colts right? used to play. I believe that's right. Before they moved into Lucas oil stadium. Does RCA okay. exist anymore? That's my question. Probably. In our hearts, they do. Controlled apparatuses. RCA went defunct in 1987. So. Not at my grandma's house, they didn't. Yeah, that's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, continue. Um, Indiana has joined the fray. Yes, they, they have. They ponied up the cache and they fired... Mr. Allen, um, the tool man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone wrote groomers on the list. Uh, I did, uh, because Bruce Feldman, let me read this word for word. Yes. Among the Indiana coaching candidates to replace Tom Allen, South Alabama's Kane Womack, solid hire, uh, Bama offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, because we're 97 years old now, uh, Ohio state offensive line coach, Justin Fry. And big wildcard candidate who has support with some key IU folks, John Gruden. <laughs> Dude, that is, I mean, that is copy-paste, like every That's John Gruden rumor ever. It's key IU folks. Um, Yeah, wow. Um, Can we get maybe Brian Hartline a job? Anybody want to hire Brian Hartline to be their head coach? I like they should. I, I, you know, for one, would like to have him not recruiting to Ohio State, all the good receivers from the state of Florida anymore, just like as a something that I'd be interested in for me and, and my personal brand. Um, if he's able to, if he's able to recruit them to Indiana or whatever, like nowhere, That's you and G, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can have it, Brian, but you know, I just don't want to do it anymore. Brian um, Hunterline's only been in college coaching for seven seasons. Wow. Yeah. And like All every at- good receiver from Ohio State has been like directly yeah. because of him, um, which is wild. And he's the OC now, right? Not that he, I don't think he yeah. calls the plays. I think Ryan Day calls I the plays. No idea, but he, he is the OC. All right. Um, Houston, Dana Holgerson out. This one was, I think, seemed like it was going to happen. And then there was like a brief 
spell in the middle of the season where it didn't seem like it was going to happen, and, and then I guess very much back on again. So uh, yeah, this one was one I felt like if it was going to happen, I'm I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier. Yes, I'm with you. On Houston that. seems like a get up and go. Let's let's make things happen. Yeah, I'm. So th- this is the. I guess there's an, one more job in Texas that's open currently. Um, but like, I mean, I think someone's gonna try to hire Trailer at a certain point um, from UTSA. Yeah. Hasn't he been given a lot of non-answers in impressors? Yeah, but like about even Texas A&M. So it's kind of like yeah. maybe yeah. he's maybe he's a tough interview. Driving the price up. <laughs> Hell yes. So Tillman Fertitta and the boys. Good luck. <laughs> Um, New Mexico is open. I know that one does a lot for you guys. San Diego State continues to be open. I feel like that could be, at minimum, a fun job to have. Um, yeah. uh, Louisiana Monroe is open. I had no idea Terry Bowden was still out here getting it done <laughs> at Louisiana Monroe. Terry? I think most recently Terry Bowden was – didn't he coach Akron fairly recently? Like yeah. I think I watched – Terry Bowden's Akron Zips play in a bowl in the bo- in the Boca Raton Bowl. <laughs> Those are Joe Moorhead's Akron Zips now. Oh, oh yeah, I want to point out that Terry Bowden's Wikipedia picture is in black and white. So that's Jeez. not great. dude. Terry Bowden was like long-suffering Auburn coach, and now he's like yeah. he just can't. These guys just can't he not can't do quit. it. He's can't like quit. son of one of the most famous football coaches of all time. Like, just go home, man. Drink a tea. Yeah, play <laughs> golf. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then UTEP oh, is also that's a, a ULM is a super hard job, probably one of the hardest in the country. So good luck to anybody who wants to start their career. Brian Hartline, come on down. Now's your chance, no, buddy. I don't Shane. I don't want him in the Sun Belt. Might be relegated to ULM. Oh, <laughs> They're gonna loan him to ULM for a year to get it together. <laughs> they could do like the Premier League. The Premier League, Shane Beamer's going out on loan to you to the Warhawks. Steve Spurrier is going to coach the Gamecocks for one ceremonial season, (laughs) 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 while still maintaining his role as like emeritus director of at the University. We got to get Shane some reps. These international breaks are just killing him. We got to get him together. Right, Right. Shane's out here ruining Spencer Rattler. No, anyhow. Uh, yeah. So then, and then uh, notable coordinators that are open. Uh, oh, I should. Oh, actually, before we get to that, let me just say we have some people that are not that will be back next year that have been confirmed. Dave Aranda back Baylor 2024. Get okay. excited! Get excited, Baylor. He's also going to be calling the defense. FYI, he's already he's already announced that, and he fired his offensive coordinator. So he's getting all of the pre-fired coach things out of the way. Like a full year in advance, which is which is smart of him. Yeah. He doesn't have any more moves left. He needs to maybe work on like showing a little bit more pep in his step. Um that's just that's just a personal opinion. Anytime you watch a Baylor game, he like is the most stone faced person I've ever seen. It's actually impressive, but All right. uh Dan Lanning extended through twenty twenty eight at Oregon. Shout out to his agent uh, for Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas to Dan and the fam. Sam Pittman is returning to Arkansas. I know everyone's excited about that one. Gus Malzahn extended to UCF. Interesting. Uh, and then Jeff Munkin extended at Army. So good for 
good for those guys for securing the bag. Uh, I, you would think Gus Malzahn could maybe get some play for another job. So Houston, I guess they're in the same conference now. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. I'll also say uh, Charles Huff at Marshall got the vote of confidence. He'll be back. Mm. Um, and then fired like four coaches like the next day. Did Marshall not have a good year? Did they sputter down the stretch or? Uh, a little bit. Um, they also it's like. It's like Huff. Huff is usually like his name comes up in like Syracuse, yeah. he, like you know, or EA and Tech were allegedly playing tug of war with him. Yeah. a couple years ago. So they they finished six and six this year. Marshall beat Virginia Tech this season. That happened it's, this year. Man, That's, I saw it happen. I seems it. like a long seems like a long time ago. That was that was before Virginia Tech was launching drone strikes against all yeah. teams, brothers. That's true. Uh, Connor and Taylor were at that game, BTW. So we we did have a man on the field, on the field. Yeah. <laughs> in the in the uh, multiple boots were on the ground, the grounds. Right. Uh, and then I'm just gonna go ahead and, and preload the hot seat for next year. I've got Dave Aranda on there, and I've got Billy Napier on there. Um, I will respect Evan's email and not put uh, Tony Elliott on there just yet, but you okay. know. He, Week three, it's coming. He, there may, yeah. Email us on Gmail. You can affect our content. We I, are I would be easy. interested. So just, you know, and we can be we can be done after this, Jordan. Um, I would be interested in Evan's opinion after watching the Virginia Tech game because he sent this email on the 9th of November. So hand up. That was 17 days ago. I did not read the email. So I, I'd be curious to know. If he still if, if he if he if he still felt the same um, about how how strongly he feels about well some, Evan this. you heard the man send another email send a follow up email and we'll read <laughs> it in the end of January I think he does seem to indicate that like going like uh, he he spells out pretty well year one um, goes uh he ends it with like, the team goes three and seven with limited roster and brendan armstrong at quarterback which we now know might not be underachieving that much brendan armstrong has played really well for nc state down the stretch here and beat virginia tech um like in north carolina and north carolina so like well uva also beat north carolina well yeah so. sure so that's a wash but like you know i don't know like brendan armstrong also was really good the year before that and just like it would appear Hunter that Armstrong might just be a Robert and I system guy. And like yeah, he might just be like an air raid quarterback. And like, if you're like going to try to ram like him, plant that requires an exact <laughs> amount of sunlight every day, which what a terrible lot in life to be a quarterback that requires Robert and I to, to yeah. like guide oh, you to victory. So he's also um, got coach Thanos down there with him. That's yeah. Not yeah. Dude, I see that guy's grin and mug come off the sidelines, you know, dapping people up. Always love to see that. But, uh, yeah, I think um, I think Tony Elliott was put in a bad spot in year one, based on when Bronco like kind of and how abruptly he retired, yeah. and then sort of how prolonged that coaching search seemed to be. Um, or I don't even know if it was prolonged, but like how much like weird public back and forth there appeared to be with multiple candidates, Anthony Poindexter. Um, yeah, and that's like <laughs> Tony that, Elliott. So like that's that whole thing is again. This is a different episode, but. The, the point Dexter involvement is, I think, something that did whoever was going to get hired no favors, but it is like the epitome of some of the issues that UVA has of like they are blind to potential flaws of of their own sons and daughters. It's like yeah. Poindexter's never been a head coach. 
anywhere. He wasn't even the full defensive coordinator at Penn State. Like they have no defensive coordinators, right? Position coach at Virginia for years. He position coach at Penn State was a co DC at Penn State. When their other DC left, they decided not to promote right Poindexter and instead hire Manny Diaz. So like, anyhow, yeah, I think it's fair to to warm Tony's seat. Um, I wouldn't put it squarely above warm yeah i'm with you on that today november 26 2023 <laughs> yeah the year of our lord <laughs> absolutely so okay all right well that's all we got thank you evan for the email uh send us another one if you have any um any thoughts opinion probably for send logan a text too after you send maybe yeah email. maybe alert me that you sent an email um you yeah, have my contact up. info otherwise Evan is actually, he pays for the Patreon, so he gets my contact info. It's amazing. So if you guys want to get in on that, you can get my contact info too. It's just Venmo me like $400 and we can get it going. So quarterly. It's a flat rate. <laughs> quarterly. No, okay. There's no attached. Are we done? Are we done here? I think we're done here. It's been a good episode, though. I appreciate Love seeing you guys. There's a lot. A lot of, a lot of movement, a lot of great college football games. Had to Shout out to the producer. Shout out to the producer. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on the Wheel Route Podcast tonight, everybody. Find us on Instagram at Wheel Route Podcast. Send us emails, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. Go to thewheelroute.com. It's the website. You can stream the show there. You can see the picks spreadsheet there and tally up how just how close we all were this year. Um, until we meet again, we love you guys. Go Gators. Go Hoos. Go Dukes. Go Dukes.